now in good company. Oh shit! Hey, I, hey, I read. Hey, listen, I red pilled a homeless guy coming off the little island that I lived <laughs> on, and I'm not kidding. I rebuked his spirit. I told him, I said, "You have a demon spirit living in you." What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Good Company. I'm your host, Jr. Matthew Long, here with Stephen Hakes. We have Chase Fisher on the show today. And it is almost a three-hour-long discussion, so take your breaks if you need them, but come back because every second of it is gold, I promise you. And uh, if you're wondering what that little clip is on the intro, uh, we got a little bonus uh, section at the end of the at the end of the show, so you gotta you gotta make it to the end to figure out what that's about. But um, <laughs> this dude is just off the hook, man. Great energy, great charisma. One thing that I took away from this is just be unapologetically yourself because that's what Chase is. And it's so refreshing, man. It's so refreshing to talk to somebody who has their own genuine ideas and is unapologetic about how they think and how they feel. So uh, be yourself. Leave some comments. Subscribe. You are now in good company. I don't know. No, 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 no. I don't have notes. We're in my study right now. So I've just got stuff everywhere. I've been studying. Bro, bro. I I misquoted. So I told my wife, you know, I was like, please do not refer to my office as an office. That is my study. And that's what I want to call it. Dude, such a much more, it's a much more appropriate name for it. You know what I mean? It, it really is. It's not an office. It's a study where you're getting spiritual. You're finding out who you are. That's it. I love it. I love it, brother. That's awesome, man. Well, um, hey, man, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Of course. Uh, so I don't know how much Steve told you of the whole thing about what we're trying to do with Good Company, but um, basically it's it's built around this idea of surrounding yourself with good people and growing and develop yeah growing and developing yourself in in uh every which way you would need it you know at, at whatever given time so um steve uh steve raved about you man and he you know we talked about a lot of similar things that i think you guys uh talk about in your conversation so i'm excited oh for sure and steve told me uh same things about you he told me a lot about you and please do not believe all the things steve says i'm a little unhinged at times because i'm going through a constant spiritual journey and uh so yeah you never you never know what's gonna happen i get into some pretty crazy stuff sometimes so ah dude i love it <laughs> steve, yeah steve the steve's the good guy i uh when me and steve call it's usually me going he catches me on a crazy time and uh <laughs> we'll get into some crazy stuff that's so cool man so like uh so spirituality has been a big thing for you then huh Oh yeah, and I wouldn't even know call it spirituality, but I'm a uh, I wouldn't even call my I, I'm ashamed to, to call I used to call myself a Christian, um, but I've probably honestly been a Christian for about a year in practice. I've always I've been I was baptized when I was younger. I just got baptized about a month ago. Okay. Uh, on, on Easter Sunday, my whole family in the Gulf of Mexico, and uh, we just wanted to do it as the the outward symbol, but. Yeah, man, I think uh, I've undergone a uh, a very 
serious spiritual reawakening in my faith for sure. And I've questioned a lot of things about my life and what's going on in the world today. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm in a constant spiritual growth, you could say. That's so interesting. So much of that resonates with me, dude. Um, what would you say, cause you said you were a Christian before, but you really weren't a Christian. That's the vibe that I got. Mm -hmm. What, what do you, what do you think was the changing factor there? Like what, what was the, yeah, no, for sure. I think, so I'm not sure how much Steve told you about, so I played basketball out at BYU mm -hmm. and I played previously at Wake Forest and I think my family, we, I grew up really, sports were pushed hard. I grew up on a, a cattle farm, um, so I was born rural. I love to shoot guns. I'm really in touch with nature and in God in that way. Yeah. But I was really, really caught up in not even the material world, but the sports world. And I think that was kind of my story and how I got lost a little bit. My faith was lost, and I think I made sports my God, and I made the result and not even status, but but that game or that not points per game or whatever. We all know we played sports and done that. And I really got caught up in that hard. And I think yeah. once I stopped playing professionally and everything kind of came crashing down and reality hit me, I didn't really know who I was. Mm. And I think people, me, Steve and I have spoken at length about this, but people really are distracted and can get distracted and never really know who they are. And you go through life without truly knowing you are. And so I think I've found myself um in the last year or so and i have a great brother he's two years older and he's uh a great christian man and he's very uh very smart guy very well well-rounded and i have guys like steve too who have helped me with that but yeah i think for me for sure i made sports my god though and it was i, I couldn't have been more wrong and more lost and i paid the price for that for sure in the last couple of years um spiritually I, i've definitely paid the price but obviously i've made it out on the other side but that's uh that that would be for sure kind of the genesis of it was that the sports world. Yeah, man. See, so similar similar kind of story somewhat, but I, I think that the the major theme or the constant narrative that I keep finding is that we grow up with these foundations or these like doctrines, if you want to call them, right, of what we think we're supposed to be as Christians or as believers or as people of faith, whatever faith that may be. And uh, this is something I've talked to Steve about is that you get to a point in your life where you start to question a lot of things and you need to sort things out for yourself. And whatever uh, life event that may be that causes that, I think there's a, a reoccurring uh, theme or a reoccurring um, uh, just situation that happens in a lot of people's lives. And some people choose to ignore it. Um, oh, some, yeah. some people choose to ignore it. And so it's really cool to hear you talk about it, man. Really yeah, cool. no, it's uh, well, there's constant stimuli, JR. And Steve and I have spoken about this. If I have no social media, I have an AOL email. Um, so I'm kind of, uh, I'm definitely <laughs> archaic, oh, in shit. That, but I believe that, you know, there's so much going on on. If you keep up with every social media and you have all this huge friend group and you're following the sports and the media and all of these this stimuli that's hitting you how can you, it's hard to know who you really are and i feel really bad for kids growing up with this technology and this technology in schools because it definitely affected me i had an iphone at 17 but you know you don't know who you are and that's just the start of it there's a lot of other factors but 
I think that's definitely a big one that Steve and I have talked about at length of how it can control you and it, uh, it, it distracts you from the things that matter. Absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more. Isn't that crazy too? How you said you had an iPhone at 17. I think I had one at 21 or 22. And we talk about how much it influences and affects us. And yet we got these kids, you see them growing up with iPads in their hands at three, you know? And so I yeah. can't, I can't even imagine how tough it must be for them to break free from that stuff. Yo, that is so oh. real. So real, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, yeah, JR, I'm sure you see it being out in Los Angeles. I'm in Tampa, which is a, a big city and uh, it's everywhere, man. There's screens everywhere. There's Wi-Fi everywhere. These kids are walking around at such a young age with, um, with with tablets and phones, and I mean they're getting warped by you know the Wi-Fi, and the and they're getting raised by the internet, which we can get into later. Which I've got, you know, I'll I'll, I'll attack that even more. But um, yeah, it's sad for sure. It's very sad and scary. So when did this when did this whole transition start with you, or or what did it look like? Like when did you when did you hit the brakes and say, oh shit? I need to know who I need to find out who I am kind of thing. And when did this whole spirituality kind of uh, conversion, if you will, happen for you? Yeah. So I was uh, I was 23 when I graduated from BYU um, and I went to play professional basketball in Italy, which was kind of my plan the whole time. And it really didn't work out. It was a rough situation. And I I really realized how empty sports were to me. I think they definitely have their place and people love them. But I realized I think I was burnt out. And there was a lot going on. And I'd always been very spiritual and I'd always been a Christian in touch with my faith. But I really can't call myself that looking back on it because I did nothing that would constitute being a follower of Christ. And I think once I came back, I was 24 years old and I left in January. It was February. I was 24. And I had a lot of conversations with Steve when I when I left and he really helped me through that time. And he was going through a time in his life of change. And so when I was 24, I just turned 26 in February. I started that because I realized I said, wow, who I don't even know who I am. You know, I don't have a I, I could make money at some things, but I don't know what my passion is. I don't I have a moral compass, but I was so confused with, you know, everything going on in the world. I was lost in the, the, the shallowness that sports can bring sometimes. And, you know, I had some really, really hard times just figuring out who I was, and I was battling weird anxiety and depression. And I don't believe – I believe that anxiety and depression exist, but my God, I'm so blessed, and I have a great family, and I've had a great life. And, and I was thinking, why do I feel like this? And I realized that, you know, I needed to change some things big time in my life, and I needed to find out, you know, what's worth giving my life to and giving my energy to. And, uh, and I'm still on that path. I'm, I'm just, I, I mean, I'm still definitely finding it out, but I know that I'm, you know, I, I, I found something worth giving my time to and how I want to invest my time. So yeah, it's definitely about that. So I've been for two years, I've definitely been questioning a lot about everything from the government, the world we live in to, you know, Christianity and certain texts of the Bible and scripture of the Bible. And I think it's really led me down some deep rabbit holes that uh, that have opened my eyes and closed open doors, closed doors, and done things. So, yeah, it's been when I was 24 and I'm 26 now. Um, it's kind of the last couple of years. I've really changed my perspective on a lot of things, and I've seen, you know, what this weird age we live in of this, this rapid advancement in technology and the, the, the Internet age. And I think uh, it's led me to question a lot, a lot of things. Well, I want to interject real quick because uh, it's interesting for me because, you know, we've known each other for, what, six years now? 
I want to say. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, so you say the past two years is where you felt it the most. And I'd agree. And I, I think mm-hmm. um, as we kind of talk, we, we feel like our journeys are pretty parallel. We've found a lot of yeah, very. stark uh, correlations. But when I think back to that first place, you know, when we were roommates um, mm-hmm. in, I want to say it was 2013, 14, we talked a lot about, um, you know, people focusing on the wrong things, going out and partying sure. and things For like sure. that, you know. So I think that there was a a, a pretty big awakening because you'd started to want to go yeah. to church and talk to your pastor and You're study right. the yep. Bible more. And, um, yep. you know, even though we were saying like, you know, instead of partying, we're going to like get a bodybuilding meal in and, and do some yeah, lifting. Yeah. And, you know, it was like those things. Mm-hmm. They were still more wholesome. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just wanted to point yeah. that out because I think – most people, you know, maybe they'll think, oh, why don't I have this rapid or just mm-hmm. radical awakening mm-hmm. that's happening with yep. me? But I think just to show it's really gradual, right? We start with no, yep. just yep. turning away from that and then slowly it builds and, and you just, it, it kind of brings you up to that point where you just get desperate almost and say like, who am I? You know, so I, I just wanted to interject yep. and throw that in a little bit. No, you're right, Steve. Actually, that's, that's, I think I have a, a little short-term memory because I get a little crazy sometimes. A little, uh, I get down the rabbit holes. But yeah, Steve, you and I for sure hit some of these hard points, and I think we—that was the awakening because we were into the pure things and we were doing a lot of things that we were kind of saying, eh, some of this stuff isn't right, and what's going on in the world. We had—I definitely, I would—I want to re-evaluate that con because you're right. It probably was when I was 21, and we were both, you know, Steve, you're what 20 two, three, and at BYU, when we first started kind of having this awakening, and it is very gradual, and I think I would just say that just because I was a little, when I was 24, and I came back from being in Italy, and I moved back to West Virginia, and I was kind of alone with my thoughts, I think that's where I see I was alone, you know, and I didn't, that's when I could really take it in all for myself, but it was definitely a gradual process of learning kind of what's right and what's wrong and what do I want to do with my life? And I think we always had that. We both talked about that and we're on track with it. Um, but it definitely, it takes time and it's very gradual. So that's a great interjection because that's totally hundred percent true. Well, I think too, that one of the parts about that is uh, both of our journeys. So you were out in Italy, came back to West Virginia. Mm -hmm. I was out in Russia, came back to Idaho um, mm-hmm. But when we were talking initially, we were we were still in college. And yep. for me, college was just a big pause button on life. I mean, I met a lot of yeah. good people like wow. you and uh, made some good friends and learned some things. But for the most part, it was just kind of like delaying my life is what I felt like so that I could try to figure out who I was. But I I didn't feel as much pressure to do so until I got out of college. And then you, I had to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's it, what changes uh, the questions and the conversations. Yeah, no, it does. It is a big pause button. And I think, you know, college isn't for everyone. I think where I'm at, JR, I don't know if how Steve's told you, I've, I'm in a, mm-hmm. going to start a fire academy in July. And, mm-hmm. you know, the last time I checked, you don't need a college degree to do a fire, to be in the fire, to do a fire academy and be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. And I think I've, I've wasted, not wasted, but I've had eight years since I was 18 and graduated high school where I've kind of been like, I've been a slave to the system, you know. I threw myself in just like you did, Steve, and hit the pause button in a lot of ways. I learned a lot of things and met a lot of good people like yourself, Steve, who have lifelong friends and I love dearly. But um, it didn't help me become a better man and really figure out my path on life. I think it kind of was a almost more of a roadblock more than anything. 
do you do you so you wouldn't accredit it to being part of the like I guess part of the journey and without I mean without it would you still have come to the same results I guess is what I'm asking that's that's a great question because I was so inundated and Steve you were as well in a lot of ways and I'm sure JR you were as well I uh in our own different ways but I was so inundated in the college system and college sports and you know the status of it all and kind of that root of life that maybe I wouldn't appreciate it as much and I wouldn't have hit these big spiritual lows or, you know, certain lows I've hit in my life if I didn't know and I wasn't fully immersed in what I think of as the other side, you know, and I've came out to the other side. So I really, no, and I think it's, it makes me emotional to talk about because I know the kind of lows I've had since I've left college in ways and it's not lows that anybody else goes, everybody goes through it. Yeah. But um, I think it definitely makes me appreciate it more, knowing kind of, wow, I was in that system and now, you know, where I'm at now in my mindset. Yeah, and I th- I just think about, you know, I'm a firm believer in, in, in people needing to be humbled, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, and the, yep, Bi- sure. and the Bible says that you need to die to yourself, right? And then come to Christ. Yeah, yep. And I think that's what the message is, right? Is that when, mm-hmm. and with sometimes, most times, people don't do it under their own accord, and so life has a funny way or God has a funny way of yeah. smacking you in the face and telling you, hold up, let me show you what you're yep. really about, kind of humbles yep. you, brings you to your knees. And that's when, like you said, you start spending the time with yourself where you 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 go in this isolation because, you know, something's off or, or something's just hit you like a ton of bricks. And so yeah. and that's what I think uh people are being distracted from i think when shit gets hard or when life hits you in the face it's so easy right now to to scroll through instagram or just to say i want to keep my mind off of it i want to take my mind out of this thing that i keep stressing and worrying and and uh and uh you know contemplating over and i don't want to deal with it and i think that's where a lot of people are going wrong because it's almost like um it's a dragon that needs to be confronted, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, you're 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 100 right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like I think there's a huge lack of that, and that's another thing. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that Good Company is all about is like kind of just promoting this idea of like, hey, spend some time with yourself because you're the best company mm-hmm. for yourself. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah. So that's awesome, man. I love hearing that. So much of that resonates with me, man. Yeah, no, you're you are right though, because I think we were brought up in you know this age of where the technology came around. Life is very good in America and in the world. You know, we're in a a prolonged period of peace in the world in some ways, many ways, and a, a time of prosperity. So where you know it's not the hard times i think we are a little soft and i realized that about myself i thought i was kind of a a hard guy and i was a you know an athlete and i had status in the world but i realized that i'm and i'm still realized that that i'm very soft and i've crumbled in a lot of ways that you know i look i read in the old testament that the how you know people would go through so much harder on a daily basis and and they kept their resolve and kept their faith in god and and, you know, it's it's very easy, though, for kids and for even a, young men like us to right. get lost and to get down and to get distracted and go on YouTube, you know, and go, you know, go eat out and go eat bad foods and, you know, numb the pain in a sense or go drink alcohol and go out and do these things and be a part of the social circle instead of, 
you're right, going out in the woods as I do or as whatever, you know, your place of peace is and kind of see what's going on inside of you and, and, and where you're at. So it's definitely the easy route. And it's, there's so many easy ways out in this world. And I think it's, it's rampant. There's everywhere you look, there's something to distract yourself. Yeah, I would agree, man. Um, and, and it's, it's wherever that place of peace is for you. Like you said, right? Like mm -hmm. it could be 15 minutes, uh, in your living room or in your backyard or whatever, but just some mm -hmm. time to spend with yourself. Um, mm -hmm. for sure, man. So did you, did you party at all? Like in Italy, were you like, what kind of, were you, how much in the world were you? Cause, uh, I'm trying to paint this picture for the listeners of, yeah. uh, you know, maybe, maybe take yeah, it no. back to wake forest too first. That might mm -hmm. be a better. Yeah, no, I will for sure. I'll take you back to even high school. I think, um, you know, I was a good, good kid. Didn't really party that much per se, you know, would drink some random, you know, beer and a little bit of liquor in high school. You know, I, our neighbors did moonshine. So we had some moonshine. I mean, I'd siphon a little bit out of <laughs> Hell that yeah. fridge or, you know what I mean? So it's, I, and I definitely, I drank and I would, I've been out and I've been in bars. I've been in a couple clubs. I've been in, you know, the atmosphere and I, I'm, oh my gosh, I've, I've definitely partaken in my fair share of partying. I wasn't a partier by any means for sure. But when I went to BYU, I think, you know, Wake Forest, I got caught up and I didn't really know, you know, I thought that was the social norm was to go out and to do things. And I quickly realized that wasn't me, you know, I'd do it every now and then, but it was a gradual process from when I was probably 18 you know, till I came to BYU and I had good influences like Steve or Kyle Collinsworth or Anson Winder, who Steve, you know, lives with and I've lived with, or they're just great people. And I didn't really feel the need for that. But um, yeah, no, for, for, for listeners listening, I've definitely had my fair share of alcohol and, you know, some liquor and I, I've done that and I've seen that. I never got out of control with it. Um, but I've definitely been in that circle and seen kind of what that is. So I, I, I've, I've experienced it for sure. Nice. Nice. So, um, you definitely could talk to, uh, you know, firsthand as far as being, being a part of it and in the mix of yeah. it all. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And you know, one point I'd like to say that I think I saw and I see now as I'm older and I think I'm definitely a man now. And when back then I was a boy, I'd say even in college and when I was at Wake Forest, when I was 18 and 19 and 20, right. um, I've seen how people go into later in life and they, they grow up to be men and women. Uh, there's gross sexualization of, you know, men and women. And the, the, there's just really immoral things that happen because they're kind of the norm in college and even in high school now and even as low as middle school the access to the internet and to see these things and i think it's kind of normal that you go to college and you might join a fraternity or a sorority or you you know you play sports and you go out and you drink and you have sex and you do all these things and so it's 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 so you know easy to fall into that and to think oh this is normal everyone is doing it and i was definitely a part of that crowd I, i'd like to say that i was you know on a moral high ground and knew knew who i was but i didn't i've i've been in so many places that you know my mom and dad would probably be ashamed and would say why were you there but it's, uh <laughs> seriously it's, it's 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 bad and i think that's why i you know, i saw firsthand you know kind of how twisted things can get for young men and women when your brain and your body still developing even when you're 19 or 20 years you know i i think you're still developing and spiritually mentally physically 
And to have these alcohol, drugs, partying, you know, all these different factors come in at, at such a young age, it can twist the mind and the body and the spirit so easily. Yeah. And uh, I'm just glad I kind of was. I was in some situations, and my brother and I have spoken about it, where we were probably in situations where, you know, man, something bad. I could have got arrested or I could have, you know, you know, killed somebody or done there was a freak accident. And you look back on it, you're like, what was I doing or why was I even in that? You right. know, and because right. I thought it was normal. I, I thought it was normal. And it's definitely not. Yeah. So, you know, how do you because a lot of people listening might think, man, like oh, this guy's hardcore, like he's, you know, Bible thumper mm -hmm. or whatever, those stigmas that get a, yeah. uh, get attached to like talking this way. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, just I mean, break it down for me real quick, because I, I don't know if you're completely against the alcohol or, and, and all that. It sounds like you're taking a very hard line on it. But for people who don't understand, like, why is it such an important thing for you you mentioned about it you know messing with your spirituality and 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 mm -hmm. having a moral high ground and what that does for you like what's the importance of that from your perspective for people listening who yeah. might not who might be like oh this guy's fucking you know bible thumping strict yeah. ass christian no, for sure. <laughs> no i'm definitely i'm honestly not cussing as much as i usually do i'd love to say i don't i, I don't cuss <laughs> i'm about some but steve knows i let it loose but i'm in a i'm in a virtual world right now so i'm out of my element but jr and steve i do i'm totally not against alcohol because I, I i'll partake I, i'll have a couple beers with my dad or i'll have a you know some wine with my dad or you know yeah. some friends or whoever i'll even have some tequila or some my, my sister-in-law's vietnamese so i'll have some sake even though that's japanese i'll uh you know <laughs> i partake in many of these things and um yeah. you know not often and it's just i live i love fitness and i'm a martial artist i do brazilian jiu-jitsu and muay thai so that's right. more important to me i need to be ready to rock and roll i'd rather have a greens drink than some alcohol so i could be ready to train the next day yeah. but uh no i'm totally not against that but i think in the ways that you know, modern day and how normal it is to go to, I think it's more in the college atmosphere. When you leave college, that's that all that is, is a translation of what you did in college. If you drink a lot when you, you know, when you're 30, 35, you probably drank a lot in college, right. you know, and I think it starts there. It's a breeding ground. When you're 18, you leave your home and you go to this college campus where everything's at your fingertips. You know, there's fast food, there's, you have your own money, you have your own living situation, you have access to the opposite sex, you have access to alcohol and drugs. And, and I think it's just, that's where I do become a little bit more now a Bible thumper to where, wow, I wish I wouldn't have, I wouldn't even gotten in those environments because it wasn't bringing me closer to Christ. And that, that's my main goal. Now I, I'm definitely, I'm a heathen, I'm a sinner, I'm still a sinner, but I just see how rampant it is in these college atmospheres and how it can kind of derail people from, you know, their full potential, you know, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Mm -hmm. I just don't, I think you'd hate to look back and say, man, I wasted years partying and drinking and doing this. I'd rather, you know, waste it, have my years, you know, having good fellowship with great friends or, you know, working something physically or doing an internship or a job or whatever it may be. So I don't have I wouldn't I'm not that hardcore. I live for sure a different an alternative lifestyle. I don't like I don't really have any social media or talk to anybody that often. Yeah. So it's kind of my thing and that's I like to keep it to myself and it's a very I love the simple life and a peaceful life cuz I have I didn't always have that. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's a lot of noise that that creates. The uh the alcohol, the drugs, the the party scene or even the going out scene and even the sports scene 
when we really should be, I think, focusing on, you know, your spirituality, what's going on in your mind. And I think we'd have a lot less anxiety, depression, you know, all these different things that are popping up nowadays that we see if uh, there was a little bit of a switch to the system, if college wasn't always the answer and, you know, these nightlife and all this wasn't promoted so heavily. And that, and that I think it definitely ties into the powers that are in control now. There's a lot of things going on that, that this is the system we live in. And whether I say it or not, there's still kids going to go to college and drink and party and do this because it's what's normal. And it's kind of what, you know, the world is today for sure. So by no means though, am I, condemning people if they drink alcohol or they do these I, I have no qualms about that you live the way you want to live i just think if you want to live a peaceful god-filled life that's definitely not bringing you closer to it yeah and it's so funny how it does drop off once you get a little bit more serious about spirituality and i think that would go across mm -hmm. the board on any for religion sure. you know but yeah, yeah, for sure uh, you know what i mean so what i think too though is that Again, going back to this whole thing where you you come into these decisions or you come into these points in your life where you have to make decisions. And I've talked about this with social media about putting shit in its place. And I think when you hit college, I mean, I, dude, I remember going way overboard with alcohol in college and waking up the next morning and being like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, what was that? You know? And, uh, and I think that's when you make those decisions, because like you said, it's a transition period, whatever you're going to, whatever habits you create there, uh, are going to follow you out of college. And, and the, the truth of it is it gets way harder to deal with after those, mm -hmm. after those four or five years that you spend, you know, surrounded by your friends and everything. But I, I think it's just like anything, like when that stuff starts happening, um, you know, yeah, fine, go experience life, do the things that you thought were going to bring you joy or do the things that you think are going to be cool, you know, because that's why we do it. And we want to have a yeah, good time with people sure. and everything. Right. But then realize, realize how that shit makes you feel. Realize mm -hmm. that it is not conducive to any goals if you have any goals. And if you don't, yeah. you should you should be putting that shit in, in place first. And mm -hmm. and then you have to you have to be logical and sit back. And this is, again, being able to spend time with yourself is sitting back and saying, OK, this isn't getting me closer to what what my ideal is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think that's where people get lost, too, because, you know, I get in my Bible thumping mode and I'm like, yo, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing this. And so many times it's lost. It's like, why? You know what I mean? But why? And I think you broke it down perfectly that it's not it's not conducive to your goals. It's not conducive to what you really want in life, but you don't know what you really want unless, unless you're asking yourself those questions. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. And Jerry, you made a, a great comment where you said I had too much alcohol. I did this and I woke up and I said, what is going on? Cause I have some, I've had moments in my life where I thought that too, where I was thinking, and it was tur big turning points in my life. But for a lot of people, it, it, they aren't turning points. And Steve spoke uh, and I spoke about this before um, we kind of got rolling is that a lot of um, a lot of times in life, I wish I just would have nutted up and said, you know, said, this is who I am and this is what I want to do, because I had that little inkling in my stomach and my gut that was telling me, you know, this is not what I want to be doing. I'm just doing it because everybody else is doing it and I'm weak, you know, and I think, Steve, you could speak on that. We talked about many times where you know, we wish we just would have said, you know, this ain't me. And then it maybe would have changed the trajectory in our lives. And 
Um, you know, it, it, people come in, come out, but definitely I have so many times where I wish I would have just said, listen, this isn't me. This isn't what I want to do. And maybe taken the, the hard way, uh, it, you know, in the, in the, that time. And maybe I, it would have hurt. It would have been tough. I would have been isolated, but man, I would have been true to who I am. And maybe I would have got to my goals a little bit faster. Yeah. How do you feel about abstinence, man? Because I think that's what people what people uh, abstinence of anything but because i think that's what mm -hmm. people what what freaks people out about it is you tell them like oh you yeah. know especially people who might be mm -hmm. interested in god or spiritual life or you know finding yeah. themselves a little bit more spiritually they think that mm -hmm. like you got to quit cold turkey and it's yeah and it, what what are your thoughts on that oh yeah that's a deep one um you know for sure i've um you know i i think abstinence in anything is uh it depends on the person for sure, because I'm very, you know, Steve has known me for a while. I'm very, very hardcore in the sense where I think I need to cut things off because I will keep doing things until I get to a point where it's like, man, what am I doing? And it's kind of really being detrimental to my life. So I, I go cold turkey on a lot of things, and um, it, it's definitely not the right way to do it. I think it's my personality, and everybody is different. But I think in, in approach to for me being a Christian and people who are like, man, I don't want to be a Christian or, or you know, the LDS faith where there's certain things that are right and are wrong. Um, I, you know, I do believe in abstinence from some things. Do I believe that we are perfect? No, there's one perfect person who walked this earth, and that is Jesus. And we are not that. We are imperfect. And, um, and so I don't think abstinence is going to be attainable unless you are very, very, you know, comfortable with yourself and you know yourself, you're going to go through periods where, you know, you're going to have sex before marriage, you know, you're going to drink, you know, alcohol, you're going to smoke weed, you're going to do certain things that will violate your faith. Yeah. Um, but I think it's definitely about growing through those things because there's, I mean, even in the Bible, there's, there's people, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody is sinful. You know, everybody, nobody is perfect. And I don't think that's what, you know, faith or religion should be about, you know, and it, that's what you strive for. And I think as you grow in your faith and as you mature as a man or a woman, that will come with time to where you don't want to do those things. And you know that there's a better feeling when you do abstain from certain things. And I think that's where I'm going with my life for sure. I think I'm going through times now where I'm like, man, I really do like to abstain from certain things, you know, or such as sex and alcohol, because I know that once you know the poison that it does and how it rots you internally and what sin does to you, if you hold on to it and you bury it, it, it really eats you alive. But for new believers or new people coming to faith or trying to find themselves, whatever faith they are, I think it's definitely a gradual process. And if you're mature and you're mature in your faith, you can do that right away and you can be really hardcore and cut it off and you know. But like we talked about with this world and all the influences and the distractions, it's hard to know. And it's very hard to, you know, abstain if you're you're in a relationship, someone and you're having sex and you want to stop. But, you know, everything around you is telling you it's OK. It's definitely going to be more of a gradual process. So I think to each his own in that in that uh, department. And I've struggled with that, definitely. And uh, it's taken me a long time to figure it out. And I think I've definitely you know made some headway with it. But it's uh, it shouldn't scare anybody from coming to faith or maturing because it definitely it's it's a long term investment. If you that sin will not rot away with you and those lies will not rot you, they will you know in the end it will pay off. But um, it's hard. It, there's so many distractions that it makes it very difficult to abstain from the uh, the what the flesh wants to do for sure.
Well, and I've I've kind of been I've thought about this a lot because, like you said, you know, you mentioned the LDS faith, and that's you know definitely been that was what I grew up in. It's all I've known, and it's a very abstinent lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. from everything, from really from almost everything. And uh, I'm I'm kind of like you, Chase, where I kind of take things until I'm like, what the hell am I doing? And I I just have to to get out cold turkey. I, I wait mm-hmm. until. I'm kind of so disappointed in whatever I'm doing that I I just want to get my self control back. Um, Mm -hmm. But I've wondered if, and so maybe you can speak on this if you feel the same way. um, But I've, I've wondered if me growing up so abstinent and not feeling like I could ever really make a mistake because, you know, you had to go talk to some, uh, some church leader or, confess everything you know as like a young teenage kid man like that's a tough thing to do and it makes you afraid to make a mistake or to live and then it makes you afraid to want to change things if you do make a mistake so um i'm not condemning it completely i think there's some utility in it but i'd wondered if that had had an influence on making me so all in or or not you know with the either i'm abstinent or i'm not i i don't feel I feel I've had to work really hard on temperance is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that extremely abstinent life, um, what elements of that influences me and maybe it's my personality. Maybe it's how I grew up. I don't know. So with you thinking the same way, I, w- I was curious to know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, no. And I think for me, I, I definitely didn't grow up in a, a an all in all out type of, you know, family or even faith. I think, um, you know, I was, my parents are awesome and they're you know, great Christians and definitely taught me right from wrong and what I should be doing. But I think I, I definitely knew that I could do some things and uh, it'd be okay, you know, and I'm sure JR, for you, you may have some similar things where it's not as strict as the LDS faith or even, you know, many faiths of Catholicism or whatever it may right. be where it's a little bit more difficult and can scar a lot of people. I have a lot of friends who are, who are former Catholics and they are scarred by Catholicism because it's like, man, I got to go tell a priest all this stuff. And it, it makes them go the opposite way. Yeah. And so um, it, it definitely plays a factor in it. For me, that was not, I think it's more of an internal thing, but I almost wish it, it maybe would have been a little bit more in my life, a little bit more of an abstinence life. And that was right from wrong because I think I let the world raise me in a couple ways. My parents did such a great job, but you know, I went to college and I went, I had to figure some of this stuff out on my own. And I was like, Oh, it's okay. You know, if you know, I, I do some of these things that aren't right or that violate my faith or my morals. And I was like, Oh, it's okay until it does eat me away. You know? So it's, it's, um, it's definitely a very difficult one for me because I, I don't, I would not want to be in a completely abstinence, you know, lifestyle growing up because I probably would run the opposite way and it'd be difficult for me. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it it's tough. That's a tough one for me. Cause I, I think, you know, I've made so many mistakes and I kind of justified them. And then it, it got so bad that, you know, I, I, I went, got to extreme spiritual lows or extreme personal lows. And, uh, so I don't know. I, I'm rambling a little bit now, but abstinence <laughs> for me, and that abstinence for me now is very important because I think it teaches me obedience to God. It teaches me obedience to, you know, not take food for granted and certain things. And, um, you know, I wish I would have had a little bit more of that growing up. So it's, it, it's tough. 
Yeah. You know, I grew up, so I grew up Catholic, so I had a lot of the same constraints on, on my way of thinking or faith for a, a large part of my younger life. I think I started going to Christian church when I was about 14, 13 or 14. And, um, you know, I think, I think abstinence comes with age and wisdom. Like when you can choose to be abstinent from certain things. Cause I really think, I really think, like you said, everybody is unique and different. Some people should never drink ever because for whatever reason, they can't put down the bottle, right? That at that point, you need to, you need to make the choice to become abstinent to alcohol, right? But, um, I think to tell a kid who hasn't experienced anything that he can't do a bunch of shit is you're just giving him a bunch of red buttons and saying, don't push him, don't do it, yep. you know? Yep. And it's like, uh, it's almost more instigating than, than anything, you know? And it's so, so I think life is like that, man. And I'm not saying, I'm not condoning, you know, bad behavior, going out there and trying drugs and doing this and doing that. But at the same time, um, I don't want to shame people from ever having experienced life. And and I think kind of going back to what we were saying before, too, is like these those are the times that humble you and they bring you to your knees and they show you like, hey, Jr. like, you know what I mean? Like maybe maybe this this uh, alcohol thing isn't all, all that for you. You know what I mean? Maybe this is where you need to put it. You need to put it in its place, you know? And yeah. uh, no, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I just got back from a golf outing with clients, and we were drinking, man. We we had a great time, and that was part of the whole thing. Like, we were golfing, and we were all horrible golfers, <laughs> and uh, the, most of the excitement was, you know, drinking with friends and, and having a good time, um, but I knew I had this podcast to come do, so I... I, I was able to put it in its place, drinking water for the last four holes. You know what I mean? Some people can't do that. And you just need to know who you are, I think, is, is mm-hmm. a big thing. And and uh, so, yeah, man, I mean, with abstinence, it's like I wanted to get your take on it because I think that's what a lot of people get scared of because a lot of, of my close friends who are still Catholic, it's really what keeps them from coming to the faith in a much deeper way because they like, I've had so many people tell me like, Oh, I'm not ready for all that. Cause they think they got to drop everything. They think they got to drop everything mm-hmm. and then be perfect. And it's yeah. like, it's like, that's not how it is, man. Like this is a journey, no. you know? Yeah, no, it's definitely a journey. And you look at who even who Christ surrounded himself with, you know, some sinners and, you know, the lowest of the society. And so I think that's, the uh the great thing I, obviously i'm a i'm a bible something christian in some ways but you know Gerald, one point i wanted to make in steve that i think on abstinence in anything i think i really truly believe seeing the world now and where we are in the dispensations of time and how throughout history you know technologies advanced or certain social constructs or you know what consumerism or how the world is now i almost believe that a life of abstinence is almost better than figuring it out on your own because it's so dangerous in the world that we live in from from the gmo foods from you know the the social media the drinking the partying the music that we even listen to there's so many little things that can pollute your mind and your body and your spirit that you know, I'm almost, I was brought to my knees and I've, I try to live more of a life of abstinence now. And I want my kids to try and live that life because the world is dangerous. And I don't want to take that chance because you're rolling the dice in the world we live in today. And whoever says that, 
you know, we are in a safe time and this is a great time. Go experience college, experience this. I, I just totally disagree because it's dangerous. And, and we're, we don't live in the, you know, the 1960s and 70s when there's, there were still bad things, but there's good, wholesome things still. I believe the world we live in now is much more dangerous. And to expose your kids to that or to even expose yourself to that, you are opening yourself up to that risk. You'll be humbled and you'll have to go through these things, but it's, a, it's, it's totally a different animal that we are, are, are living in today. And I want to get your guys' take on that because I think that's def- a lot of the things Steve and I talk about are – you know, we're in a time where we're in uncharted territories and, you know, in the human experience. And I think it can get a little crazy out there. And, it, you know, if you open your eyes and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I want, I personally, I don't want to take those chances, you know, because it, it scares me. Some of the, the, the things that we have going on in the world today. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I think, and I, I think I definitely know what you're talking about. Um, one of the things that scares me, because some people listening won't get won't get your vibe you know what i mean and 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 i think we're connecting on on some some multiple levels but uh to bring it down to uh, a detailed category i think one of the most dangerous things is the over sexualization of a lot of a lot of our our media our uh, um you know our society our culture like for whatever reason, man, I just, I feel like, like sex is being perverted mm-hmm. in so many different ways, so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people won't understand the immediate implications that has, but like, um, yeah, dude, I think it's just getting perverted and, and kind of, yeah. uh, desensitized to the point where like, it's everywhere. It's in your face. And, um, I don't know. That's what worries me, especially having a daughter, a uh, two-year-old, you know, little girl. It's like, man, where's mm-hmm. this thing going? You know? Yeah. No, you're. Um, I, yeah, I, I feel so strongly about the, uh, and I mentioned it earlier a little bit. That it is. It's in our face, and you know, kids have access to this internet, and to even look at YouTube, for example. Everybody uses YouTube on probably a daily basis for music or you know, knowledge or entertainment or whatever it is, and. The things that you can access, and I bet the safeguards you have to take as a parent to protect your kids from that are, you know, it's crazy. You have to shield them almost completely because it's going to happen, whether it's in, you know, middle school or high school or then college, I think, is the the cherry on top before it sends you into the world of of sexualized everything from media to movies to, you know, whatever it is. It's it's rampant. And it almost looks to me. Uh, and I'm a big conspiracy theorist, JR, and I won't even get to some of the crazy ones, but <laughs> I, I, it, it almost seems, and for any listeners who think it's nuts or whatever, but it almost seems like it's on purpose. And there is a purpose to this, and it, it's part of of the plan or the agenda of, of the powers that, 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 that hold power now. And it's um, and I don't think it's stopping. I think it's only going to get worse. And I, I'm not I don't really have the answer to it. And that's why I've almost turned into a Bible thumping Christian is because I just don't agree with it. And I think it's it's totally wrong and it's perverting kids minds and perverting even adults minds. You know, I think, I, you know, I work at a, I work at a restaurant right now. I'm serving in between, you know, I'm leaving Tampa in about a month and there's a restaurant right down the street that. You know, my girlfriend and I both work at and it's uh, I see parents come in. It's fun. I've never served before. I love it. I love serving people. It's fun. You're moving and grooving. But I see parents scrolling 
on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it may be and opening yourself up even in that in marriage, the sexualization uh, that comes from everything that, that even older people are looking at. Yeah. And I don't think it's just to younger kids. I think it's to, to every generation. And I think it's because this technology is so powerful and we're in uncharted territories and the advancement of this technology since the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even now to today, you know, the last 20 years, it's scary. And I don't, I think we're playing with fire as, as you know, everybody on earth, we're definitely playing with fire. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, so, and, and what's crazy to think about is like porn, right? Like I think our generation was kind of the first ones to get hit with so much access to porn. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I remember watching like the Kim K video on LimeWire. Like I downloaded that shit and I was like, oh shit, this is Kim K. You know what I mean? And it was like, that wasn't possible before. And now it's just so accessible that it's like, it's, it's fucking crazy, man. And, um, yeah, I just think that's, that's dangerous right there. You know what I mean? Like we don't even know what the implications are because we're really the first men coming up out of that whole technology boom where internet porn was available. You know what I mean? We're the first generation of men coming up out of that. And these kids who can have access to it at so much of a younger age. And, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, like porn gives you a grossly uh unrealistic expectation of what your sex life is going to be for the rest of your life you know what i mean that it the shit that it does is that it just it perverts what's supposed to be holy what's supposed to be set apart and and for people listening that don't get that like you know what i mean sex was supposed to be intended to enjoy right like sex was supposed to be good it is supposed to be good it's supposed to be fulfilling satisfying like indulgent even with your partner right but yes dude porn ruins that and and like it sex is such a beautiful thing um when it's treated with reverence and respect and like this is something that i think about a lot because now even having a little girl you know like i i sometimes i think about like dude how am i gonna approach i mean this conversation's years away right and i'm thinking about it now like how do I get her to value herself, her body, and sex, period, enough to understand this dynamic, right? And and so, again, man, this is why we're here and why we're doing this thing. So, you know, people could listen and, and, and really at least ask themselves what they want from, from life in, in these arenas. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're right, Jar, and that's uh, man, that, that that hits heavy because that's the uh, that's that's the most perverted thing of this society, and I think it's 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 everybody has it at their fingertips. Every single person who has a smartphone has that at their fingertips, regardless of age. And I think when we go back to tie it in with abstinence, all the way to the sexualization that's going on in the world, and to the porn world that that exists out there and its grossness, I think. When God created humanity, he chose us and created us in his image. And when you go through the Old Testament, the flood, all the way up to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, when, he came, when Jesus died on that cross for our sins and was resurrected, now we as humans have, a, have to choose him. We have to choose God. 
At first, he chose us. Now we have to choose him. And so that's why I do take a hardcore stance on a lot of things is because there's one choice to make. And I think if you get, make the set your filter as is this, you know, follow Jesus's word or does it not? It makes it very easy to abstain from, you know, the sexual pleasures of the world, the social media, you know, all these different things, because we have a choice to make. And it's very easy, I think, for this technological age. Everybody wants to have a smartphone and wants to have access to this porn and the music and the movies and the social media and all this. But it's very easy when you think about it. It's all you have to do is say no, you know, and you don't have these certain things. And we have a choice to make. And I think we're coming to that time and, you know, that time period in history. And I think we are very nearing in, in the end times of, of, of the world to where I believe that Christ is coming back. And I think that's why I'm so serious is because I've seen it and I just feel as if, you know, we have a choice to make. And it's, there's, there's a right, right answer and a wrong answer. And the wrong answer is, you, you know, you're going to let your kids be raised by the system and the world and the social media and the porn and all these disgusting things. Or you can make the hard choice now that just says no, you know, and yeah. you don't, you're not exposed to all these things. So what does the conversation look like when somebody tells you like, you know, Chase, maybe I don't, you know, I don't really believe in all that you believe in. And I, I do agree of living like a morally high life, but it's not really my place to either tell somebody you know, uh, what to do with their sex life or like, I'm not, or they say like, I'm personally not digging anybody telling me to do with their, with my sex life. Like how, do, I mean, how do you have that kind of conversation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's a tough one. And I, and I, for anybody listening, I don't want to come. I am very opinionated and I'm very, you know, set in my ways and some, in certain things, but I think you know, it starts the conversation. It's, it's not really a conversation between you and that person. I think that you have to open your heart to Christ and to the Holy Spirit, and you have to have that personal relationship, and that that's your moral code. And that comes in, and that's when the Holy Spirit starts working, and it, it tells you right from wrong, you know? And, and, I, and sadly, Jr. I think, and Steve, we are in this age where there's a choice to be made, but I don't think a lot of people want to listen. And I and I'm definitely was one of those people. I'm so lucky that, you know, I have a great family and I have a strong older brother that was a really big influence and he went through a lot of these things that you we all we talked about. He went through so many of these highs and lows and and he was able to teach me and we're very, very close. Steve, you've met my brother. He's a very, you know, enthusiastic guy and I think he would not let me go down some of these paths and he kinda would have those tough conversations with me and I was forced to talk to him. But, you know, I think it, it, it definitely looks like something, hey, do you want the stresses of this life? Do you want to have inner peace? Because this social media and the music and the sexualization and the, all of these crazy things that we have in the world today, it's not going to lead you to a peaceful life. And, and, and you have a choice to make, whether it's you're going to give your energy and your life force and all the, the spirit that God gave us to either, you know, to, to, to build good things and to build a family and to, to do such pure things, or you can waste time. And, and you know, you're, we're all going to meet our maker, whatever you believe in, when your eyes closed and there's no more blood pumping, the heart's done, or you're going to have to meet your maker. So I, I just feel as if, do you want to waste your life of the, uh, of the flesh and do these things that give you temporary pleasure 
or do you want to take the long road and do you want to have peace? Because for me, that's what it's about. I can't, I guess everybody has different human experience, but I just want to have a peaceful life. I don't like the stress. I want inner peace and I want to just have a simple life. I want to have a family. I want to have some land and some cows and some chickens and just be peaceful and, and listen to God and wake up to the birds every morning. But not everybody wants that. So I think it definitely starts with people need to deny this social media and all of the, the music and the sexualization, all these things. It's, I think that's where it starts, where I would have a hard conversation with someone and I'd be pretty hard line with someone and, you know, be pretty, quote unquote, Bible banging because it is a right and a wrong to me. So I, I don't think I really gave you a good answer of how to open up to somebody, but I think <laughs> no. you got it. I think the answer, yeah, I think the no. answer, Jr. is to I think the answer is to be hardcore. I think you have to be hardcore because we're we're in a very hardcore age where we're going either really fast downhill or you can go uphill and choose the right way. And and you know, and it scares me. It scares the hell out of me. That's why I totally kind of shut my life off from a lot of these influences because I saw what it was doing to my life and I saw what it was doing to my character, yeah. you know? And so it's, uh, it's scary. I think definitely being hardcore is the way, and maybe that's just me. I'm an intense guy, but, um, you know, if I, I definitely would, would, would be, I've been hardcore with a couple of my friends that I don't really have that great of a relationship with anymore, but they know where I stand on some things and I'll keep hammering them and I'll keep hitting them. But it's, I think that's kind of how you got to be. We're in that we're in this certain time for a reason where you need to be, uh, you know, a little bit more on the old Testament side. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think, I think Chase says that. Um, and he probably does at times. He like, he, he likes to call it red pilling people, uh, like off of the matrix, right. Waking them up. (laughs) Um, but at the same time, one of the biggest things that, or one of the biggest ways Chase influenced me when we were at BYU was, uh, he, even though he was amongst all these Mormons and they were, you know, he had to, he was going to, to the, to the Elias church with the team and stuff like that. And he was still going to his own church. Um, uh, but he never, I don't know. He never forced the way he was viewing things onto other people. So while he was constantly getting bombarded by all these Mormons and why he should join the church, um, him not doing that to me with his views is what made me want to hear him out more and go to his church. That's why I like asked him if I could go to his church rather than him asking me. So I think, I think, uh, I think Chase comes off a little more extreme than he is at times. I do think he is extreme at times, um, in the ways that he's saying, (laughs) (laughs) but no, Steve, you're right. And I don't want anyone listening to think that I'm totally understanding about everybody's beliefs and, and, and taking the, I don't think it should be that hard line. I just think with certain things, it is because it, it, how can someone truly know themselves if they're distracted by tech, all this social media and this technology and, you know, all the, the devices of this world and even the bad foods and all of these genetically modified foods? It, it literally changes your DNA and the way you think. So I don't think people could really think straight and they do need to be red pilled on certain things, not religion. That's how I want to live my life. I don't think religion should be pushed on anyone. I think that's kind of, that's worked within and between you and God. And, you know, you have to work that out. I definitely, I'll hear anybody out and have a conversation. I'm very understanding because that's, that's the Christian way. It's not a hard line way, but I think you have to be old Testament on this social media, 
all of the sexualization, the bad foods, the vaccinations, you know, the, the school curriculum, the college experience. I think that's where you have to cut all that stuff out so you can have a clean slate and truly think, you know, what do I want to do with my life and how do I want to live it? Well, at least question it, right? Like at least, yeah, yeah, at least, for sure. you know what I mean? At least take the time to deal with it uh, appropriately and don't, don't just be another sheep getting herded in every which way. And I think that's that's more of my take on things is like, um, are you are you living life uh, one intentionally? And are you are you questioning the things that you're doing and the stuff that you're paying attention to and the things you're engaging in um, enough to where you're you're able to analyze whether, again, is, is it conducive to the life that you want to live uh, or is it not? And I think this goes back, especially talking to like secular people on it. I always try to I always try to come at things from that point of view when I don't know, you know, anybody standing on, on their faith or whatnot. But like something that Steve and I always talked about or have talked about a lot is uh, like, what do you want? Right. Like, what are your end goals or what do you want of life? A lot of people have never asked themselves that. And I think Steve was the first one that asked me this, like maybe a year and a half, a year ago. And it was something that I thought I had asked myself and I didn't, I hadn't, not, not, not sincerely. Right. And so I think it really starts with that, you know, some of those questions of who am I or, or what do I want? And, um, and then you start to see, what things are toxic and what what things promote you know peace and happiness and good vibes and good energy and and uh and I think without that though man like you're just you're lost and and again you're susceptible to to anything this world throws at you cuz it's so mm-hmm. easy to get no, caught yeah, up and, yep it is and guys well no that's very true but how what do you guys do if you talk because I, I spoke with a, a girl that I serve with and she just graduated from a local school and she just got a job. And I said, what are you passionate about? And she could not tell me, you know, and, and most people can. And, and she ended up saying philanthropy. And I was thinking, you know, what in God's name are we talking about? Philanthropy. You don't even have a job yet. You know, so what you know, so what do you say when someone says, you know, they don't know? What if so? Because I don't think a lot of people know what I think they want to go out and party, or maybe not go out and party, but I think they want to do what everybody else is doing. And I don't think a lot of people truly know that. But how do you approach someone who, you know, can't give you an answer or, you know, gives you something very, very surface level? How do you even begin to, to speak? You're right. How do you begin to red pill someone, quote unquote? Or, you know, talk to them about, you know, spirituality or the way they should be living their life if they really don't even know what they want to do. Or if they think they know what they want to do, but it's totally off base and built off of really bad values. You know what, bro? I, what, I, what I've seen, though, as I've had these conversations with people like that is that I really mm-hmm. do think we all do know. And I take it back to when you, you and I were talking about how if we would have just nutted up a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Because we knew inside we had those inklings and we just kind of didn't have the strength to follow them yet. And so as I've seen when I've talked to people, I and I ask them, what do you you know, what do you want? What do you think? What does it whatever it is? Uh, and they say, I don't know. I'm like, you actually you do. You do know. 
you're just afraid of what it is and you're you're thinking it will cause you to be rejected by society or it'll be difficult because you're going to have to go after something that's uncomfortable or it's going to take yeah. growth that's difficult to acquire so i think deep down inside everybody truly knows what they want but it's so muffled by everyone else's opinions and social media and the views and fear of of man you know fear of what other our fellow men think and and not focused on the most important things so i think it's just helping them realize that they do know they're just allowing all this noise to to distract them all that white noise blocks their true voice yeah no no that's totally true because how like you said the, even the as far as the gmos and you know a lot of these things that people are putting in their bodies how can you know how you feel when you're constantly numbing yourself and dulling the human experience and the emotions and the feelings and and the certain you know chemicals in our body that make us feel emotion and that God gave us if you're just completely numbing yourself. I have a friend who is on some, you know, some prescription things that are just totally new age. And a lot of people are on antidepressants, anxiety, you know, all these things, any bad diet, just energy drinks, the whole nine yards. And I told him, I said, how can you really know how you feel if you don't have a baseline? You can't, you don't need, you need to just feel zero so you can start actually knowing who you are. And it's hard because this stuff is addictive, just like the porn, the social media, the music. It's also very addictive that people are truly numb. And, you know, I don't know the answer to that, you know, because I'd love for everybody to be a farmer and grow and hunt their own food. Maybe they'd feel a little bit different, quite honestly. And we would be everybody'd be a little less hateful and relax a little bit and focus <laughs> on some good stuff. But what do you guys think about that, though, Steve? I know that you're hardcore on it. And, but what you know, how do we get people to baseline zero to where, man, we don't have any of this pollution in our body so we can start to feel actually have real emotions and real feelings? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's. Did you want to say something, Jared? Yeah, oh yeah, man. Well, I mean, shit, dude. That is, I think. Okay, so I want to reel in our listeners because I think a lot of people would be like, these guys are fucking batshit crazy. <laughs> but it's so real, man. Because again, like you're saying, getting to that baseline, and, and the proof is in the pudding, dude. Like, I mean, if you've ever talked to anybody who has ate McDonald's all their life and all of a sudden they hit this workout craze and they're like eating good or even they're fucking doing Herbalife or whatever. They just switch it up, right? And then they yeah. eat McDonald's for the first time after three months and they're like, oh my God, dude, I feel like shit. And it was like, no, no, no. That's always how you felt. You just didn't know any better, right? And it's like, yeah. that that's the realness of it. So a lot of people who are thinking about like, you know, that this is outlandish and, you know, maybe a little over the top. No, like, it's it's a real thing, man. If Like you said, if you've never experienced the baseline of what your body's supposed to feel like, then how could you ever know? How could you ever feel good enough to, to spend the time with yourself? I mean, dude, I just, these last two days I just spent uh, getting over, like, a stomach virus that put me on my ass. Like, I had the shakes for, like, four hours uh, the other night and, you know, woke up in sweats and stuff. And, like, the next day I was just out of it, you know what I mean? And I told my wife, like, you know, it makes me think about people who are fighting uh, more serious illnesses or, or are dealing with things that are, like, overcoming their body 
on on even like even a nutritional level you know what i mean like because it takes you out of this element and it completes you it completely makes you a different person because because you're not yourself and then like you said it's you know domino effect so if you don't feel good you're not going to take you're not going to know what you want because you've never uh had the opportunity to really be uh at that baseline dude so i I just wanted to reel that back in and 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 kind of Mm -hmm. make it a little bit more real for people who think that this is like you know some outlandish shit or whatever but it's it's super real and i and i and i apologize you got steve probably told you you knew you were what what you were getting with me i was gonna go no i I love it hey it's, no, it's definitely these are real things that uh, and I think there's little things if you listen, even we're just three schmucks talking on a podcast, you know, and yeah. there's little things you can take out of this that hopefully people can question and not that I've, I've got nothing, hardly anything figured out. I'm just starting to feel good about life and, you know, figure some certain things out. But there's little things that people can hopefully just question and mm. say, man, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And maybe there is a little bit different way. You know, and that starts the domino effect. Dude, so one of my favorite quotes is it's it's one thing to find the evidence lacking and it's another thing to never have considered the evidence at all. Right? And yeah. it's, so it's like, you know, ask yourself, you're you're a sensible person, question it. I love how you said that, man. Question it. If if that's all you do, ask yourself some questions, you know? Well, that's why I think it's so important chase when you were talking about sometimes you got to come at them old testament style because that's what shakes people <laughs> a little bit you know because it's what wakes them up what's it, it kind of yeah it can put a bad taste in their mouth maybe but often you tend to reflect and ponder on those things and and yeah. you know it's that's truly where all of the learning happens is on in, in you know internal reflection right so nothing you're saying is really going to make a huge difference compared to in in comparison to what their internal dialogue will do for them so that's that's why i do think it's important sometimes to come at them a little bit um a little bit more intense you got it sometimes man no you you do you do have to and and honestly i've been reading through genesis which is one of the more intense books of the bible that i think is passed over you know and there's in the first couple chapters of genesis there's there's so many so much you can unpack and you know i looked at genesis 6 5 it said then the lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and the heart was only evil continually that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And I read that actually this morning out on my porch watching a squirrel. And, <laughs> and, and no, I read that, guys, and it scared me because I thought, you know, are we – where are we in the world? If you're not a Christian, if you're – whatever you are, it doesn't matter. That can give you a little bit of wisdom. Do you I, – I just hope that we're not past the point of return with some people. I hope people will start to wake up and question some of these things, whether it's your diet or your habits outside of work, or what you want to do, or what you want to add to this world. Um, I just don't like we can't bring it back to the, the perversion of the world. I hope it's not so deep and so deep rooted and so addictive this technology that um, that it's a little bit too late. I don't want to be a doom and gloom guy, an Old Testament guy, but sometimes I think that's what need people need to be hit with and see that man, we may be turning 
you know, into some evil habits or some things that aren't totally pure. And where's this going? You know, and I just that's that's what I think I, I, when I talk to people and I, and I don't red pill people all the time. I just say, like, what what do we want to leave behind on this earth? You know, is it a bunch mm. of nice Instagram posts and, you know, a nice call, fancy college degree and, a, you know, a big 401k and a vacation home? You know, I just I don't think that's the purpose of life. I think we're here for a, a much deeper reason. And um, I don't know. That's that. Well, that I, I want to take. Yep. I, yeah, I want to take that and tie it back into what you're talking about the food because this is how I resonate with it. With, you know, what um, I've told I've talked to both of you about one of my favorite books, The Little Prince, um, and that part where you know, for people who don't know, it's kind of a kid's book, but at the same time, I feel like it's similar to the way Christ taught or the Bible is where. You know, a child can understand, but you can unpack it for, you know, as deep as your understanding goes, that those principles will take you. Um, but this little prince is traveling around and he goes from planet to planet meeting people. On one planet, he meets a businessman who's counting, you know, something. And, and he finds out that really he's counting the stars and he's doing it because uh, he owns them. So he writes down that number and the little prince is like, well, yeah, what for? He says, you know, because then I own them and they're in the bank. And uh, the little prince has a meager planet where it's basically a New York, you know, size of a New York apartment. And he has a flower and a few miniature volcanoes. And uh, to the businessman, he says, you know, I have a flower and volcanoes and it's good for them that I own them. But you're no good. But what good are you to the stars? And as I've thought about that, you know, it's because he sweeps his, his volcanoes. He waters his flower and takes care of it. And, um, that's, those are the things where we get the most joy is the things that we put in and they give back. It's mutually beneficial. So things that are alive that we must take care of, whether that's an animal or, um, you know, other little things that we, you know, a plant or something like that, if you water it and, uh, if anybody's ever grown tomatoes or anything like that, or have chickens, you know, then there's nothing like getting an egg from a chicken you've raised and the benefit to that and, and the true nourishment that it gives to your body and soul. And I think that when we go to McDonald's and we eat this food that really it's, it's got no love in it, man. It, and and I, it does sound corny, but no, it's true. I make love to my food when I make it, bro. You, so I you get have you. <laughs> to. You have to, right? Like I, I'm yeah, learning. Jr's to over there rubbing the Jr's over there rubbing the marinades a little too intimately. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, man. You have to. <laughs> but see, that's the thing, because if you do, then you get a lot more enjoyment out of whatever food you're making. So if you're raising it, if you're cooking it yourself, if you're putting in that effort, you're gonna get that nourishment back. And uh, you know, because we. We've, we've talked too about, you know, when you, you can eat a fat cow from the, the feedlot or you can eat an athlete, you know, a, a deer or an elk that, that's been running in the mountains from wolves and things like that. And tell me which one's going to nourish your body more. Oh, hell yeah, dude. No, that's, <laughs> that's the truth, Steve. Yeah, I've told you, Steve, about my hunt of my white-tailed deer the last couple of years on our farm and how you know when you put a bullet or an arrow in an animal that god created and you you go and you cut that animal open and you see its insides and you 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 take all that out and you clean it and you you bury that stuff and then you fillet the meat and then you package the meat and then you take it to wherever you're at and then you open it up and it's 
it still has the hair of the deer on it. I think it's where you're, you're so intimately connected with that food, like you said, or the chicken or the tomato or whatever it is you have, you have, a, you gave something to it and it gives back to you. And I think that's what we are missing. We, you go to a fast food restaurant and, you know, anyone listening, please just put your phone down for a second and then observe what's going on at a fast food restaurant or even a restaurant, you know, a nice restaurant when you're eating out, it's almost like pigs in a trough. You know, people are just eating and consuming and eating and consuming without any regard for where it came from or what it is or, you know, what's in it even. And, um, you know, it's, it's a very scary part. And I, I've, I was one of those people for 24 years of my life until I think I, I killed my first deer. You know, and I, I realized, I'm like, man, this is what, because I cried. I mean, I, I cry every time I kill an animal because it's such an intense experience. And I wish people would, uh, you know, could do that just to see, man, this is where my meat's coming from, or this is where my food's coming from. So true. I was exposed to that as a young age because we raised animals when I was young. And, um, yeah. you know, I think I was eight or nine when I fought, I saw our first cow butchered. You know, he did it right there, shot him, butchered him and all that. And it's for like a nine year old, you know, I mean, and we, you know, butchered chickens and things like that. And it really does give you a different outlook for what it is. It doesn't, I mean, it really makes you respect it is what it is. And, um, uh, the appreciation and the care and you, you realize that all of this food we eat, man, something had to sacrifice its life, whether that's an animal or a plant, um, to perpetuate your life. And the gratitude that you feel for that, that's nourishing. That's the nourishment, you know, in of itself comes from, from that appreciation. Yeah, man. So Chase, I want to definitely go hunting with you one day, man. So you let me know when the, uh, when it's time. I, the, I can't, I can't, I can't give you exact coordinates of the Fisher family compound. Cause that was <laughs> and I'm, I, I got a couple, I got a, I got a whole tribe that we're taking care of over here, but you uh, and Steve need to come out to, uh, uh to West Appalachia and get you a big, nice white tail buck. Oh, we're going to do it, man. We're going to do it for sure. Um, but speaking on that point, man, I mean, as a city boy, I, I don't have those experiences. Um, but one thing I can speak to is, you know, the the difference between the meats that are, um, you know, organic or, or um, what is it, free range, um, grass fed kind of stuff. Or like even when you talk about like a wild Alaskan salmon versus like a farm raised or whatever, um, if you really pay attention, it's kind of disturbing how much you can tell the difference. And um, so going back to that whole preparing things, right, like even even the even the process of going through and preparing a meal for my family is something that's an intimate experience that I've bought into dude I've I bought into and it's paid dividends back because it's made the it, the process enjoyable and it's made the meal more meaningful um you know and these are these are things that don't really start making sense to you inst- until you start questioning other things but um just wanted to bring it wanted to bring it you know, to the table. I think you guys went to the farm. I'm trying to, you know, farm the table kind of thing. Um, but yeah, man, I, it resonates with me and I would, Hey, Chase, I'm serious. We're going to go up and we're going to go hunting with you, man. Cause I want to do it. Listen, I'll show you JR, but we might get into a Bible study out there in the tree stand. <laughs> you got to be ready it. for that too. And there's, there's two of me. I got an older brother and a crazy dad who will get real. He'll, he'll turn into Job on you. So, um, <laughs> 
Let's no, get it, man. Sure will. And, hey, and I think it's applicable, honestly, to anybody, even being in the city or, you know, if you're a city slicker, you're a country boy. I think it's applicable. I just think that's another thing that people don't question anymore is where's my food coming from? And honestly, what's in it? Dude, and you you're, know, what, you're putting it in your mouth and digesting this shit. You would think that you would ask, right? Yeah. No, no, and I, I just, I think we're, hey, once again, we're in such a period of abundance, guys, and a, a, a period of, you know, advancement of, te- rapid advancement of technology and foods, and I mean, geez, you can clone anything nowadays, You're, they're cloning DNA, and there's robots, and there's self-driving cars, and what, so why would you question what's in your food if there's all this great stimuli that you can focus on, you know, and so it's, it's a scary thing of the, of the world we live in. Yeah, it is, man. Well, I, I think um, it's weird to talk about like energy being passed through your food. And I think that can sound a little esoteric and mystic. Um, like you're a damn hippie, brother. Right. But uh, if we think about it, like I, I think everyone could admit you can feel energy from other people. If someone's if someone's pissed off at you, if someone's sad, if someone's, uh, you know, whatever their emotions are, they can you can it's palpable. You can feel it in the air. And, and so if that's the case, then I think it's completely reasonable to look at the energy you are being passed through your food. And that's why we talked about like, you know, eating an athlete, uh, like a, a salmon out there in the Atlantic ocean fighting for its life every day. And I think that's something important for people to look at. And that's why I got into fermentation because you're, you're taking this food and if it's raised properly, um, then you're give you know, it's good roots to work with. And then you're reintroducing life by fermenting it when you, and, and that process becomes much more nourishing. And so it's true, man, you really do have to look at all these things and, and realize that that was, I don't know how much of the focus of everybody back until the industrial revolution, you know, that I mean, that's that's what everyone did. They worried about how are we going to eat, and now we don't spend hardly any time thinking about that. All we do is we look at Instagram posts on uh, food and we figure out how tantalizing can we make this uh, this dessert? How many dessert combinations can we make and have people just glutton themselves just staring at it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. guys. Let me ask you guys something. This has been on my mind and. Uh, looking in the future because I think there's definitely reasons to be positive in the world and there's great things that you know technology and these the you know how the you can get anything that's at your fingertips and I think because there's so much knowledge out there that if you seek it you can really benefit from it and you can do a lot of good and that's the the very big positive of technology and the age we're in but what happens you know when you know, these food centers or the Amazon and all these things that are at our fingertips aren't available. You know what? Because we are in an unprecedented period of, you know, peace and of global connection with everybody. And what happens if that's cut out? Right. And there is no, you know, grocery store. There is no, you know, Amazon Prime. There is no fast food. There are no quick and easy restaurants. What, how do you think? you know, our societies will, you know, survive or even cope with that. Cause the great depression was only, you know, 60, 70 years ago, you know, so we're not too far removed from that. I feel like people believe that, you know, the history started about 30 years ago, you know, in the 1990s. 
and <laughs> it didn't. I mean, I mean that's it's and it, we are kind of coming into a time where what if something happens that changes how we live and the modern amenities that we have? What do you think that'll do to the landscape, or what do you think that'll do to people in general? Man, I think, I mean, first off, I don't think a lot of people would make it, man. I, I think you would see a lot of rioting and looting and a lot of crime go up for sure. Um, but I think, I think what you're speaking to is being able to be self-sustainable. Um, yeah. and, and yeah, it's, it's ridiculous how many people aren't ready for that because they think it's not, um, not possible. Right. And, um, it, it, it's crazy. Cause again, I think you've referred to this several different times of like the society that we live in kind of lulling us to sleep about important topics or important questions that we've asked ourselves. Right. And this might be one of them, dude. And I think, I think, I mean, going back to stories in the old Testament, you know, Noah building an ark, right. there's a lot of criticism about that story, but I think really what that story is about is preparing for the future. And are you, are you building something to withstand the flood or are you not? Because the flood is coming, right? There's no question about it bad times will come, right? Um, what are you doing to prepare? And, you know, this this falls under that category. How realistic or how soon we are to, to or how close it is to, to it being reality, I have no idea. But um, if it were to happen, uh, I think a lot of motherfuckers are getting picked off. That's what I think. Tell you, tell you what, man, I, I wouldn't want to be in Los Angeles. Hell no, nah, man. <laughs> my goodness i mean yeah it would hey so (laughs) yeah you would that'd be a bad spot to be in jr (laughs) and you know what you can't have a magazine bigger than 15 rounds so you're really gonna be (laughs) so uh that's what i'm saying motherfuckers are getting picked off i'm gonna be up on my roof man protecting my garden over here I love it. And you know, if you if you really unpack the the story of Noah and the flood, I think it's it's turned into almost a fable and a you know it's a, a one of the the stories of the Bible. But yeah. I think it's truly one of the biggest biggest parts of the Bible and the most important parts of the Bible because man became so wicked and evil and loving of self that God killed everybody but eight people on the earth. Right. And when you look at it, you know, in the world, there's 277 flood accounts in all cultures, ranging from Mesoamerica to China to wherever it is. There's 277 flood accounts. So it's it, it's reasonable to say that that flood did happen. Right. And so I just think it's easy to see we are in that period, I think, of we're going into of extreme wickedness if if all these modern amenities go away. And I know that may sound weird or prophetic in a way, but if we don't have the electricity and we don't have the technology and we don't have the readily available food, I truly believe it will be as bad as the days of Noah in which God killed everybody but eight people. And that scares me, guys, and that truly does. I know we bring it full circle. We have, I'm getting a little crazy, but that's <laughs> the truth because that's a real reality, guys. If we have another Great Depression or a global war, then – you know what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Because there's, I think people. I mean, it get real. I mean, it gets bad when the power goes out in Tampa for about three hours. People start acting crazy. You know, right. just imagine if you don't have food for a couple of days. So, 
it's that that's a very scary point to where I think we got people we got to start questioning where all this stuff's coming from and what we're building and what's going to happen in the future because you know so Instagram and all this stuff the the distractions that's gonna that's that could be gone real quick with one power grid going out you know and then you truly have to think man where's my next meal coming from yeah yeah it, well it's too bad that you know, back in the day, everybody would learn from their, their grandparents, their parents, whatever they teach them all these necessary skills. Right. Mm -hmm. And now, like you said, we're being raised by the internet. And so all those skills are a lost art. Like, you know, your, your grandma was canning food or, um, teaching you how to like bake or do different things that most people, man, they don't know how to make a hot pocket and, and that's it. You know, and and uh, I I feel bad for that because even if you had food, man, they don't know what to do with it. They don't. Yeah, man. I mean, my dude, my grandma was a seamstress, uh, so she uh, immigrated from Mexico up into L.A. when my mom was like seven or nine, and and uh, she got any job she could, so she it was it was being a seamstress. And back in L.A., these warehouses were like multi-level warehouses of just seas of seamstresses, right? piecing together clothing clothing and it was all piecework right and um you know it's so funny because my my sister busted out her her um sewing machine the other like last year for one of my nieces um like uh little dance recitals or something that she pieced together something for her and then my wife wanted a uh sewing machine for her birthday this year and i thought that was so cool man because it's something that's lost, right? And and it kind of has a negative connotation now if you're a woman. Like, there's kind of this shame factor of wanting to be uh, a homemaker or even, a, I mean, not even a homemaker, but just a seamstress or, or whatever. Having Wanting to have that skill seems today in our society so useless. And it's something that is like adds value and something that could provide for you in your family. You know what I mean? And... It's something so small, but yet something that I think, again, going back to the cooking for your family and, and being able to like prep and prepare and kill your own food. Like there's something that's uh, special about that, that I'm not saying if you don't do it, you're not cool or you're not a good mom or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that like um, it, it's sad that that's that those kinds of things are being lost because I, I think they. I think they're nice. I think they're beautiful things to have. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's sad they're demonized. You yeah, know what I, I mean? guess like that, they're, that's they're what I'm saying. Demonized. Yeah. That you're, you're playing to the misogynistic uh, rhetoric if you do that kind of stuff when it's not true at all, right? So, yeah, yeah we're not cultivating no. those skills. No. Yeah. No. no, I think we are, we have the very, I think we have a workforce that is uh, very good at following orders and is very good at, you know, doing things in a techn technological way. But if you take someone out of that realm or out of that field, which could very easily be done in the geopolitical scheme of things that's going on in the world, these skills are very practical. And they're, and they're also a byproduct of that is it's rewarding. You feel good about it. Like you said, JR, cooking for your family, something so simple or growing. I have a tomato plant out on our, my front porch right now, and it's so rewarding when you have a to one tomato and you don't have to go to the store and buy that. And it's a skill that you have. You learn about a plant, and uh, 
but but I think it's so the way our world's going, it's going in a, a technology way. So, you know, we our kids are, you know, there's going to be more kids being raised by the Internet and more people making a living off of the, you know, the technology and, and these certain things. And so it kind of sees where, you know, what what do you what do you guys think? Let me ask. You, I'm going to switch gears here. because This has been on my mind. We've had such when you think 10 years ago in 2009. You know what was going on in 2009. You know what we there were, I don't even think there was there an iPhone. Maybe the first iPhone was around in 2009, mm, or one of the first yeah. ones. What do you think's gonna what What is the world gonna be like in 10 years? Shit, dude. <laughs> you know what I think about? I think about Elon Musk on Joe Rogan's podcast when they started talking oh, about. Man. Oh, dude, that was fucking scary. <laughs> That was scary, dude, because he asked him, right, like, what do you think about AI in the future? And Elon Musk just goes quiet, and he was like, I told him not to do it. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean, dude? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and so I don't think a lot of people are aware of what's out there. Like, um, you know, I know a ton of people that, that don't really uh, play in this realm of, like, staying up on what's, you know, what's on the cutting edge out there in technology and everything. But there is some scary shit that's out there right now that already exists that not a lot of people know about. Right. And, and like you said, things with cloning and, and uh, artificial intelligence. And, you know, one thing that Elon Musk was talking about that tripped me out was um, basically after you die, downloading yourself into like basically, yeah, downloading your consciousness into basically uh, some hardware, right? So like a robot that has a body, uh, but he has your consciousness, right? Which I have so many like uh, thoughts and opinions about that. But like the fact that that's what we're contemplating and that's where we're at it scares me, man. So basically you're telling me if my dad dies, you're saying you can download his consciousness into another body. That shit doesn't fly for me, but it scares me that we're even talking about that. Because now we're playing God. Wow. JR, you hit this. So I spoke with my brother earlier after I got out of the gym, and we talked about the Tower of Babel. Nah. For anyone listening that doesn't know the Tower of Babel and what this was under King Nimrod of the ancient Babylonian king, he was a mighty pagan king in Babylonia our ancient Mesopotamia. And they built this great tower that was going to spike God, and that was an ancient ziggurat to the pagan gods. And that is what man has always wanted to do. They want to be God because we have a little piece of God in us because God created us in his image and in his likeness. And instead of you know follow, feeling that inside and going towards God and exalting him, I think a lot of people, we want to play God. And we want to be God. And you look at all the ancient cultures and the great kingdoms that have risen and fallen. That's what it is. The people want to be God. And I think the last and the final God that people are trying to play, and we are building the new Tower of Babel that will bring us to the end times, I believe. And I believe it is through an AI system. That is, if you think about it, I don't think anybody questions what's going on in our phone. These are listening to us. It's listening to our voice. And it's recording our personality traits, our voices, your retinal scan, your fingerprint, every single thing to what kind of, for example, porn you like to watch, your sexual preferences for people that do that or whatever it is. It's so intimate that it's building a system to where you can upload your consciousness 
and that is the final god that people will worship, which is an AI system. They want everything to be interconnected just like the Tower of Babel. Dude, I mean, I definitely think that has some merit. And uh, have you, I mean, have you listened to Jordan Peterson at all? This is like the third time I drop him on this podcast. But have you listened to Jordan? We're going to get him on one day. Uh, have you Have you ever uh, delved into his uh, biblical lectures? I have not. I like Jordan Peterson. I've never went into it. I know he, you know, confronts the freedom of speech and stuff, but I know he's, he is a Christian. He gets into that, but I haven't. I haven't listened to a lot of that. Uh, well, he has a very unique perspective on things, and I, it's mainly because of his psychological background, um, being a clinical psychologist and all that, and, and studying this that that field, dude. But he offers this like so his 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 Bible lectures are based. They're titled "The Psychological Significance of These Stories," right? So he's a huge proponent of of stories and he really takes religion out of it and says let's look at these stories and see what kind of meaning this brings to humanity and why these have been sure. around for so long and and why the hell they didn't go by the wayside like every other thing did you know and mm-hmm. uh so he brings up you know the story of Noah and the story of Babel and uh the psychological significance of what an ancient culture would be trying to warn people about by telling them this story right because language hasn't been sophisticated the way it is now for that long right like we can communicate very sophisticatedly right and so he argues for the the fact that back then things were better communicated in stories and so he takes the tower of babel and he says like basically exactly what you said like men try it's a warning against you trying to play god Right. Are you trying to get that high? Because, again, for people who don't know, this tower is built to the highest possible height. And then God, you know, switches everything up, makes everybody speak different languages. So before everybody spoke the same language, they all um, cooperated together and and got together and wanted to build this huge. uh, Would you call it a ziggurat? An ancient ziggurat. Ziggurat. That'd be an ancient temple that you see in, you know, the Mayan cultures. They're all over the earth. As God scattered these people, these ziggurats pop up. Right, dude. So that's another trippy thing is a ziggurat is an actual historical term for these like pyramid or skyscraper uh, things that come up, right, that we have all over the world. And so, yeah, it's the psychological significance behind that story is be careful with wanting to be like your creator or wanting to be anything close or having the the pride right to think that you're anything close to what uh it is that created you and again man it goes back to that like when are you going to humble yourself and when are you going to be brought to your knees you know what i mean and (laughs) and so this whole thing of like distracting people uh, from confronting those things and us building, you know, AI. I, yeah, man. I mean, shit connects. Shit, I'm the dots connect in my they mind. Are, you know, it's, it's it's here's the deal. I've never listened to Jordan. I pulled. See, I, me and Steve have had some conversations about this, and the more you look, it, it's interesting. Everybody likes to. Any, I'm a Christian. I look at it from a Christian perspective, but whatever right. you look at it from, when you look in the New Testament, there's so much grace and love and forgiveness and it's so true and that's the new covenant we had with god the temple veil has been torn the connection with god is so personal through you know christ the messiah 
But yeah. when you look back at the first book of the Bible in Genesis, these quote unquote fairy tales that I believe, that's why I said I wasn't a Christian for so long because I was like, I was reading through the genealogy and I'm like, all right, you know, Shem begot Ham, Ham begot, you know, whatever. There's <laughs> so many crazy stuff. And it's like, who are all these people? Yeah. But when you look at it and research it and you say, man, the Tower of Babel, what could this teach me? And it shows me how scary the world is because we are building something, whether we our participation in social media and in this technological world, we're building something that could will probably lead to our destruction. And it will we're gonna build something to where we are phasing out humans as a race, or not as a race, as a well, yeah, as as uh, humans will cease to exist. If we continue down the way, you can, Elon Musk is a perfect example. I tried to warn them. I tried to, you could say, man, Joe Rogan is a cool, edgy guy. I'm listening yeah. to him. I'll go, because he smokes weed. He does all this. He's cool. He's this. But <laughs> we just listen to a secular guy tell us that it's too late. We are too far gone. And we continue to participate in building this system and giving away our information and our soul to this. Yeah. And it scares the hell out of me because what God has shown is that if you turn your back on him or if you try to play God and you build up these ziggurats and these temples to other gods and you worship the gods of the new age, which throughout time, as you've seen, you know, God's kingdom has been very small. The Protestant Reformation in, in the U.S. has had a lot of Christians and there's a lot of Christians around the world. But back in the Old Testament times and even the New Testament, there were so many gods of every different type in, the, in Canaan and in Assyria and in Babylon. They worshiped all these different gods. And I think, you know, we are worshiping inadvertently these gods of the new age and trying to play God instead of humbling ourselves down and saying, man, there is a creator that's bigger than us, and maybe we shouldn't have these powers and these technologies because it's a little bit too – it perverts the mind and the soul, and it's a little bit scary because that's how I feel, man. When I look at even YouTube and I see all this stuff pop up and I can see you know, an earthquake that happens in Japan, it's like, man, should I really be knowing about all this? Is this information – should I be have access to this information? And for me, it really scares me because it's like, man, this is kind of playing God. I can sit on my computer and learn everything about everything in a couple of days, yeah. you know. And uh, you know, I don't know. It scares me for sure. And it's so, you know. And I, I think it speaks to a lot of people's approach to. Uh, and I hate you saying religion because for me, religion is is a lost term. I, I think it's been convoluted conflated or, or whatever yep. you want to call it and and I think it's more about this relationship with your creator and I think that speak what, what we're talking to speaks to the fact that people want to have ultimate knowledge like they want to know they're right and they want to know that they're right completely uh, mm -hmm. and without flaw and and so let me ask you this because I don't really believe that, you know, you're a Christian if you carry the title that you're a Christian. Like, I really think there's this um, condition of the heart that our creator or whatever you want to call him uh, is most concerned with. I don't think it's the doctrines that you believe in. I don't think I mean, I think those all have their merits and, and you know, within within reason. Uh, they have their place, uh, but I really, I really do believe it's this condition of the heart of of uh, of each and every individual is what really matters. And I don't know. A lot of people might say that's a scapegoat. 
because uh, people try to pin me down on a lot of different complicated questions. Like, for instance, you know, if if I'm not a Christian, then um, and I'm a really good person, then I don't go to heaven. Like, that's not fair. Right. And like, again, going back to Jordan Peterson, people have asked him in his lectures, like, are you a Christian or do you believe in God? And one of his answers was really, I think, was really surprising not surprised. Well, it was surprising, but really good at explaining, uh, how I feel about it. It's like one, um, it's none of your business if I believe in God or I'm a Christian. And two, I'm not so sure that if I told you, it would mean the same thing to you as it means to me. So, you know what I mean? And so, Mm -hmm. and so like, there's a, I wanted to ask you about that because, you you know, you call yourself a Christian and I think people get caught mm-hmm. up in labels and stuff. Um, but what is what does that mean to you, really? Or and would you even agree with what I just proposed, that it's not really about your title or about the doctrines that you lay you know, on, on your table, um, but about the condition of the heart? Like, What's your feeling about that? So, you know. And once again, I want to say this: I am a I, I'm a sinner. I cast no stone. I don't I don't care. I care what my family believes in because that's close to me, and I'll confront them. But I'm in no place to judge. I love everyone, and I you know I, it's not my place to send someone to heaven or to hell. That's right. what I want because I've that's just not. It's definitely I believe it's what's in your heart, and I think it, my belief. If you are a good, you know, am I a good person? Am I going to go to heaven or hell? What's that? It's very simple for me, and I'm not going to say it on this podcast because it might upset some people. Maybe I already did, but that's just where I'm at. And I, I, I truly believe so. If, what it means to me to be a Christian, or if you are a Christian, or what it is, you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and He is your Lord and Savior, and you believe that the Bible is God's inspired word. Not that it doesn't lose things throughout time, because as Steve knows, I've talked about, and I'll give it a little plug, the book of Enoch, the seventh away from Adam, which is anyone who wants a crazy read or want to have a little mind twist, dive into that. But I, I think if you follow the Bible and there is one God, I don't believe that there are multiple gods and there are multiple religions that are right. There is one God and his name is Yahweh. And it is the ancient God, Yahweh, that he worship. And I, it scares me. And I, I think if you're a Christian, that you have to stand strong or whatever your faith is, you stand strong on these pillars. And I'm scared because I know that God is a jealous God. And if you worship anyone other than him, the one God, then, you know, you're, you're in scary territory. So I think that it definitely has become convoluted, but I also think it does, it is what's in your heart, but your heart can be fooled by the greatest deceiver of all, which is the devil. And we are in the great age of deception. So I believe that careful study of the scripture, which I'm trying, I've just become enthralled with and over the last couple of years and, or even the, mo- the last year, because I think the more you look into the Bible and you look into these ancient and sacred texts, and you, then you couple that with a study of detailed history throughout the world, dating back even to pre-flood or the flood of around 3,500 BC, 3000 BC, wherever you're at, you will see that, you know, Things don't quite line up with every single religion or whatever it may be. I think you need to study because there's so many indicators of what's going to happen, and you're, and then that will change your heart as well. So I think if you, if you want to be a Christian, what it means to me, you have to believe Jesus Christ is your Savior, and you believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And I think 
more people. I don't, I, I truly think there's a lot of Sunday Christians and I was that for so long mm. and I've no longer become that because there's, I, I started studying the Bible and I've changed so many different beliefs, you know, about Christianity since I've started my study of scripture and, and, and hope, you know, ask the Holy spirit to guide me through this scripture and kind of tell me what's right and wrong. And hopefully I can decipher that. But it's, um, I think we're in an age of deception to where it means a lot of things to be a Christian or to be a good person or to whatever it is. But, you know, you know, I try and I worship one God because I'm honestly I'm very scared that I'm going to have to meet my maker and I'm going to have to recall, you know, every single thing that I did on this earth. And uh, and that's so I, I don't know. I'm kind of getting crazy, about it, but I get emotional about it because yeah. it is scary because. The Bible is so thick, and the, the the ancient scriptures are so detailed, and it takes detailed study of history and scripture to really decipher all this. And I don't think that we, as the Christian church of the new age, has that baseline. And I think it, that's why it opens up to so many different denominations and so many different sects of Christianity is because there's not as detailed study of the scripture, and there's not a historically accurate study of the scripture, you know, of, of the Bible. Yeah, man, I think you make some great points. And I think, I think what's most respectable about you, man, is that you can tell that you've taken the time to educate yourself on certain things. Cause we, there's a lot of parallels in our lives. Let me tell you that right now, man. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, and I definitely think we, we would have our our differences of opinions, but I think the, the ability to respect each other's word. And and again, like you said, we're not you're not out there trying to push your agenda onto anybody else. But for you, this is what you've discovered. And and this is this is what you're trying to work out. Right. Um, so let me ask you this, man. I mean, so because a lot of the, you know, Sunday uh, Christians, like you said, which I. I have found to be the people who turn people away from Christianity the most is the person who doesn't really know their shit and they're trying to tell people about their shit, you know? And, uh, yeah. you know, I might get that. I might get, I might get, I write that down. That might be my new, uh, my new motto. <laughs> Dropping bars over here, man. But, you know, so like we've all met those people. Um, but so I've heard you, you know, talk about the Bible in, in a certain way. You, it sounds to me like you've dove, you've dove in for yourself. There's a verse uh, in the New Testament that says uh, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And what that is to me is like you need to put in the work for yourself and figure out figure out what this means to you, you know. And I think everybody is uniquely affected by it. Um, but I think everybody's journey is different. Um, and, and so like, I'm curious, man, what, what have you, what have you deconstructed or kind of pulled apart? You threw the book of Enoch in there. I mean, uh -huh. where did that come from, man? Where, how did you start breaking apart the Bible? So, you know, first of all, there's one thing I am not a Sunday Christian. I am a Saturday Christian because the Sabbath is on uh, the Saturday. And that is another way that I think it shows that we have gotten very off base in the world is that there is nowhere in scripture that the, that Sunday is the holy day. And that to me, to be honest with you, JR, I'll bring it. That's why I started off with that is because that's what scared the hell out of me. 
is that <laughs> my brother red pilled me and he said, you know, the Sabbath is Saturday, our holy day. Yeah. And, and I, re- I talked to Steve the last time I talked about Steve and I'll give listeners a little insight of what I've deconstructed is that the Sunday, you know, what does Sunday, you know, mean at its root? It's the sun, right? Yeah. And there's so many ancient cultures that worship sun gods. Mm. And and I mentioned Nimrod in the, the Tower of Babel, the ancient king who was a mighty hunter before the Lord. He worshiped the sun, just like many Egyptian pharaohs did, mm. uh, many Assyrian kings. And many people worship sun gods. And when that was changed was by Constantine in like around 300 B.C., and he changed the holy day to Sunday, and the Sabbath is on Saturday. So that really scared me when I was thinking, man, I'm worshiping God on the wrong day. Not that Sunday, I still go to church on Sunday. I still believe that's a day of worship and a great day, but Saturday is the day of rest. And that scared me the hell out of me because I was thinking, man, I believed all along that, and we still believe it. Nobody really likes to question that. You know, yeah. Seventh-day Adventists believe that, but that's one thing that scared me. So where my study really started in the book of Enoch and the, apocry- the apocryphic books of the Bible, the ones that were not included, is when I started studying history. And I once again, I want to give a lot of credit. I had my brother who is, you know, he's a very, very smart, sharp cat, and he loves history and has been on this journey for a few years longer than I have of kind of studying things, was I just wondered where did sin come into the world and how did this all start? And, you know, are we reading accurate history and what what's being taught in schools? Because everything that I was taught in school about history and even the Bible was kind of false and was wrong, yeah. even starting from the Sabbath and what was on Saturday. And I just think there's a lot in history, even going into the flood of Noah and to, to so many things that, that, that we are studying that's wrong. So I'll, I'll, I'll highlight the book of Enoch, for example. For people who don't know what the book of Enoch is, seven generations away from Adam, Adam and Eve. And the book of Enoch is an interesting read about 200 fallen angels that came down to Mount Carmel, you know, and it was in the times of his father, who was Jared. And these angels in the book of Enoch, you can get the book Enoch on Amazon. That's where I got it. So it's really, it's available to everybody. I'm, t- I'm, I'm, the- I'm completely ignorant of this. So please, uh, yeah, no, summarize. No, yeah. So, give me, so, give me the juice on so, this. So, so Enoch was a godly man. He walked with God. He was actually raptured by God and he, uh, was a very godly and devout man. And he writes about these 200 fallen angels that come from heaven, and they despite, they spite God, they come down to Mount Carmel in the times of Jared, his father. And what these angels brought was advanced knowledge and sin to the earth from heaven. And the scripture reads of the, the book of Enoch, it, re, it they bring the beautifying of the eyelids, the, the iron and bronze weapons. They brought uh, cutting of the roots, which alludes to, you know, different potions and tinctures and drugs. And it brought all of these sinful things before the flood of Noah. This was pre-flood world, and it brought all these things. And, and as you guys know, there is references in Genesis 6 as early, and it goes from Jude and so many different Bibles to giants that walk the earth. And what these giants are are the offspring of these 200 fallen angels that came down in the time of Jared that Enoch writes about. And it it even says in Genesis 6, 
I'll just read it so I'm not people don't think I'm just making this crazy shit up. <laughs> it said, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, which were the fallen angels, saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. <laughs> so there was an evil offspring that was populated on this earth. And the book of Enoch alludes to that, that these giants, we know of famous giant and David and Goliath, who was a Philistine, and he was known to be a giant. The, the Egyptian pharaohs were known to be giants. There's a lot of different skulls and bones that were found in Mesoamerica and the ancient Mayan cultures that were giants. And so that's where my study began, and I start to get into this stuff because this is where sin, I believe, perpetuated on earth. And it survived through the flood, through the lines of Ham. There were Shem, Ham, and Yapheth, Noah's three sons. And the lines of Ham were the Canaanites, who obviously were pagans and worshipped the Canaanite gods. And so that's where really – I know I'm getting a little, a little crazy, but if, if you connect the dots of this ancient book of Enoch, it goes in to where a lot of this sin came from. In the world and how it is perpetuated through governments and through kingdoms and through kings and tyrants. And a lot of this has been traced back to these evil bloodlines from these fallen angels. And so I, not that I think anybody needs to believe this at face value because I still don't even. I'm still studying it. Mm. But the fact that I didn't even know this book existed or that many Christians write it off as you know hypocrisy or blasphemy – is crazy because it's alluded to in the Bible and many other texts than just Genesis. So I just think there's so many different things, whether it's the Sabbath on Saturday and what Sunday actually means to the book of Enoch. There's many symbols that have lasted throughout time that, uh, that speak to a lot of false doctrines and a lot of false teachings, and, uh, and it, 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 many of it lies in the Old Testament. And so I began to really decipher history, and I'm still in deep study about it, trying to figure out what in the hell is going on and what all this means. And is it a bunch of jargon, or is it God's Word? And you know, have we been lied to for many, many years? And um, so, yeah, I think that the book of Enoch is a very interesting read that for anyone, and it, it actually is cross-referenced in the Bible in many different verses and many different passages that, uh, that actually validate it and give it much, much credence uh, as, a, as a Canaan text. So, um, yeah, that's – I mean it, it is a little crazy. I'm sure there's some questions or some concerns. I've talked to Steve about it, but it's, uh, it's a scary one to read because it will make you really question everything you thought you believed. <laughs> It sounds like it, man. Um, so, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm still trying to process this shit, man. And, and, and here's the deal, Jay. And anyone yeah. listening, and anyone listening, I am a little bit nuts, and I have gone a little bit off the reservation. I'm kind of glad because I'd rather be doing this than scrolling Instagram, quite honestly. And it, right. it feels good to read some of this stuff because it makes you think. If this, some of this stuff is true. And people don't want to talk about the devil and heaven and hell, yeah. but this makes me think that the devil is very alive and well, and maybe the spiritual realm is mm. a little bit more real than the physical realm that we live in. Well, yeah, dude. And so here's the thing is that talking about like unpacking these scriptures, because was that in the Dead Sea Scrolls? Was that was that where this this uh, manuscript was found? The Book of Enoch was discovered in the Dead Sea Scrolls, yes. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm vaguely familiar with that, and, and so I know, 
I know what it means to be discovered in the Dead Sea Scrolls, basically the time and era of where it was it was probably pulled out of or whatever. Um, but like I said, man, so here's, well, let me, let me finish my thought. I have a bad habit of doing this. Um, like I said, things need to be unpacked, right? Again, listening to Jordan Peterson give, give, uh, accounts of the psychological significance of the old Testament scriptures. Like, uh, you know, for people who don't know, uh, there's no debate about the historicity of some of these texts, right? There is larger debates over some of them. Um, but when it comes down to, you know, re- the Bible being a bunch of books that are really, really old, nobody really, you know, beefs with that. And so, like, uh, to be able to unpack these books is a journey itself. And it is a daunting journey because, like like Steve said about the Little Prince book, it'll go as deep as you as you can understand it. And then it'll go further than that. And so uh, you mentioned about the doctrine of like uh, the doctrine of inspiration, right? God's word uh, being in the Bible. Because so what does this mean for you? Like because a lot of Christians believe that if it's in the Bible, it's good. If it's not, like you said, it's blasphemy. Um, obviously, that's something you've had to question. Yeah, no, it, it definitely has. And I want everyone to understand that I am a little bit nuts because I'm in the middle of that journey. And yeah. I um, I read it. I'm reading every day and I'm trying to learn and I'm, I'm really addicted to it because it's interesting. Number one, even if you're of secular, you, you know, your secular beliefs, if you read this stuff, it has I mean, it's it's it, it's very interesting and captivating. If you entertain it even for a second, it's like even if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, some of this stuff is very heavy and very dense, and it will take you on a little journey. And I think a lot of people don't want to question these things and don't want to look into these things and open these books and open their hearts and minds because they know it will change them in some ways. Yeah. And I think it's definitely changed me, and Steve can even probably speak to the fact of that, that I've changed a little bit even since the last time we've talked because this stuff is very heavy, and you read it, and you want to understand it. And, and But speaking on God's inspiration and God's Word, and if it's not in the Bible, it's not true. I, I think it, we've proven that our governments and our kingdoms throughout time have really spoon-fed people and manipulated people. So I really don't take, you know, I, mainstream churches or even a pastor or whatever it is. I respect that authority, but, you know, I think people need to dig into things for themselves to see if they have any validity. Because if you look, the Council of Nicaea, which was determining what was going to be in the Bible and what it was, the, even the Book of Revelation, which is the prophecy, end times prophecy, and really the ending of what's going to happen in this world if you're a Christian, was almost taken out of the Bible. And so there's so many different things when you study history that uh, even, you know, canon text has has been debated and you know and i know of the the lds faith believes there was a lot of of misinterpretations of the bible and i couldn't agree more there was many misinterpretations of the bible but i think if you you have a good you have to have a good base of history which i didn't and i'm slowly getting better at and you have to have a good base of biblical knowledge as well to kind of decipher through some of these things to see if they have any truth Mm. and the, the more, and also, I think you even need to have a good political, geopolitical knowledge of what's going on in the world today to understand the end times prophecy or even the book of Daniel, which talks about people will go to and fro in the end times and there will be an, a rapid advancement of technology. And there's so many weird little things that pop out in the prophecy books that 
you have to kind of have a knowledge of the old world and the new to really understand where you're at and let that simmer in your heart. So, you know, I, I think for me, the book of Enoch is not a canon text, but I mean, geez, it might as well be. I mean, it, it checks out in the Bible. It, there's no cross-referencing. Enoch was a man of God, and I think it's it's hard to deny a lot of these things. And even if you don't believe it, it gives you good historical context as well. And there, ha- and you have, you can't deny that there might be some utility in it. And I think this is what people, yeah, yeah this this is what people get so hung up on is that they cling to these foundational beliefs that they've been spoon fed, and they haven't taken the time to work out the these things for themselves so any type of foreign uh introductions to what they believe in is scary so they 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 block themselves off and they're not willing to listen and and that's one thing that this this podcast is is gonna be about and will always be about is the um the ability to listen or or the platform to listen to other people uh regardless of what their belief is not not regardless of what they're well yeah regardless of what your belief is and how it might conflict like that's not what it what's it about you know what what it's about it's about just taking in that new information deconstructing it for yourself and spending some time with it right um i think i think it's com- it's extremely arrogant for somebody to think that they can grasp these texts and put their arms around it without being a scholar of of like you said history the times that things things were written uh the surrounding text i mean it's a lot man it's 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 no yeah it's no easy feat um so going back to the sabbath though real quick man so let me ask you this so Okay, so my basic understanding of why the Sabbath or whatever, whatever you may call it, or worship day, going to church day is on Sunday was because Jesus was like rose on the third day, right? So the Passover meal was like what on a Thursday or Friday he dies and he resurrects on the third day, which I think might be a Sunday. Steve is, a, or do you know when the Passover meal is? Does it fall on a specific day of the week? The Passover. The I mean, Passover, that, that's pa- my understanding too. Yeah, it's the Friday to Sunday. Right. So I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull out my scripture. It's actually just read it this morning when I was reading of the death of Christ <laughs> in Luke, and I, I don't. I know, and I'm saying this because I do not like to misquote God's word at all. So. It's pretty smart. No, because it, it can get scary because I even I, I reel off stuff and you start talking and you don't really, you know, you don't know what you're listening to. So right. or you're hearing or what you're feeling. Let me pull up and I'm actually going to go to Matthew because it's clear. And I've actually went through and gotten in the habit of highlighting um, the anywhere where it says the Sabbath or I try to. So. Mm-hmm. Hold on a second, guys. Dude, this com this conversation was so good. I have to I have to admit something, dude. I fucking pissed in a bottle because I didn't want to go to the restroom. There's like oh a- man, I already peed. I, I peed four times. <laughs> you guys didn't even know it. We're gonna be. I'm gonna be in post production. We're gonna hear like. <laughs> so the. No, it's it, it, very true. So right, the good. Passover is on the Friday. 
Saturday, no, Friday is when Jesus was crucified. Okay. The Sabbath was Saturday when Jesus wrestled hell in the grave. Mm -hmm. Sunday, the first day of the week, it is stated, was when God rose from the grave, Okay. which is the first day of the week. The Sabbath was Saturday when Jesus rested in the tomb. Okay, got you, got you. So, yeah, and and I'd like to follow follow this question with another question. Is like, do you think this is the kind of stuff that people get hung up on? And this is was was my point about like uh, the condition of the heart. Like, obviously, the foundational yeah. beliefs need to be there, right? But do you think this yeah. this is sure. the kind of stuff that people focus on about being different, rather than the things that make us similar? You know what I mean, like. Uh, you know, people will, there's some people out there that will fight you tooth and nail about, uh, things like this, like why, and you, you took a very different uh, approach to it, or, or I think you have a very different approach to it. Cause you said you, you think the Sunday is still a great worship day and that you go to church on Sundays, oh, but sure. there, but there's some people that will criticize you and fucking, you know, uh, tell you how wrong you are for going to church on a Sunday. And that kind of stuff blows my mind because it's like, what are you getting hung up on? Are you really getting hung up on what matters? Like, is, is that what really constant, like, is that really the biggest pillar of your belief system right there? Or is it, is it deeper than that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, and I don't think it's something that – but I think there's definitely – and everything needs to be unpacked because they're – the Sabbath, and it's been said to keep keep this day holy in my name, and that's how believers in Christ will be – you know, will be identified in the end times is by keeping this day holy. And now do I think some of the, is is it caught up? Is it a breaking point? No, but man, I got a little scared. That's why I've I've really dove into it because I said, man, what if the Sabbath is Saturday and we're worshiping sun gods on a Sunday? That's exactly, once again, (laughs) people think it's crazy, but that's exactly, and I talked to Steve about this about three weeks ago. I said, what if that is true? And I said, man, and I literally got Christ comes back and he sees me worshiping on a Sunday. Not that that's bad. I still go to church on a Sunday, and it's a great day. But nowhere in, in Scripture or in the Bible does it say that the, the Sabbath is on a Sunday. Right. And, 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 and everybody believes that. So here okay. I have in um, Mark 16. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him very early in the morning on the first day of the week they came to the tomb when the sun had risen and they said among themselves who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us but when they looked up and they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large and entering the tomb they saw a young man clothed in a long right robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed which were the angels so now when the sabbath was passed the saturday where jesus rested in the grave mary magdalene mary the mother of james and salome brought the spices that they might anoint him and the stone was rolled away yeah so so so, it's not something to be hung up on once again it's definitely not something to be hung up on but it's something to another thing to question and i would never bash anybody actually the church that i go to down south it's i love his name's pastor gary clark He's from Fellowship Church in Englewood. I absolutely love him. He's an awesome, great man. He's my spiritual leader, I call him, of my family, actually. And he said a Seventh-day Adventist came in and stopped his church service and was going, saying, you're all going to hell. The Sabbath is Saturday and going nuts. 
Now, is that right? Absolutely not. But do I think it should be a discussion among Christian churches? Absolutely. But it's not because I think it's it's become very pew sitting. And if you're you're checking the box of going to church, you know, there's yeah. something. It's, there's so many things you could question. They're not something to get hung up on. But it's something like, man, shouldn't we have a conversation about this? Right. I think that's the crux of what we're what we're doing here too. Is just again sure. having conversations, right? Questioning things and like not being uh again those sheep that are being herded just blindly or whatever like it's your duty to question things and and not no, not yeah, in a, yeah, not yeah. in a cynical way like not in a no. pessimistic kind of fashion or or wanting to prove somebody wrong or anything like that no. but it's like let's have a discussion man and and if we're both coming from a good place and we're both not trying to pull any tricks and we're both genuinely invested in finding truth then those are yeah. great discussions, and that's good company. You know what I mean? Oh, hey, that was a beautiful plug right there. I love how you put that together. <laughs> that was awesome. No, it, it's absolutely it's true because, listen, I, I you guys are, are – before I came on to this podcast, I was talking to my brother, and I have told Steve many times, like, Steve is one of the smartest and most intelligent and wise people, and he has a lot of traits that I want in life and of, of his temperance and how calm he is and how he delivers his everything he says. And I get a little nuts and go crazy. <laughs> and I think that's what it is about. It's about talking yeah. and having these discussions, not for a podcast or whatever it is. I think in daily life, it's good Say you know, go up to somebody and say, Hey, did you know the Sabbath was on Saturday? Boom. You start talking about it. Maybe you can learn so many things about your faith or history or whatever it is just by starting a conversation instead of talking about, you know, who's playing in the Eastern Conference finals or whatever it is, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's kind of baffling that that's what, you know, a lot of com people are, are grown men are arguing about men throwing a football in tights, you know, and it's like, <laughs> Bro, dude, okay. you know what I, I mean? I had <laughs> I had this conversation with my brother-in-law not too long ago. It was, uh, you know, nothing against uh, anybody who, who like gets hyped over NFL or, or, or anything like that. But, you know, we've all played college sports, us three, and I find myself not very interested in it. And it might be because I was in it in such an intimate level and I was up, up close and personal with it that it doesn't really spark that same interest in me as it does other people who maybe like glorify it. But, uh, man, some of these dudes get carried away to the point where you're just like, yo, man, is that all you're about right now? Is like, you know what I mean? Like NFL Sunday ticket and, and a bottle of vodka. And that's, you know, and you're going to get in a fight with somebody who trash talks your team. Like, is that really is that really you? Right now? You know what I mean? It's like it's crazy, man. And honestly, I think it speaks to people's um, wanting to belong to something. That's yeah. what I think it really speaks yeah. to. And so yeah. I think what I think what we're talking about, um, or at least, you know, and it's not just this topic, but there's other discussions and other important things out there to be uh, to be discussing and to be wasting, not wasting, but investing your time in. Um, oh, amen. Right. Well, I think. Amen. Um, oh, yep, go ahead, sorry. Going back to uh, you talking about, do you have faith in, in humanity and things like that? And as well as you know, choosing the topics you want to talk about and coming up to someone and bringing up these important kind of topics. I saw it. I, I told JR about this the other day. I saw something that gave me a lot of hope, actually, um, was there's this kid that I, I go to Muay Thai with, and he goes pretty religiously. And I think of him as, yeah, I, I really thought of him as, as maybe he liked cartoons and went to college and didn't, you know, like I didn't see depth at all to him. 
And uh, one day we just started talking about things and, and he just started busting out all these philosophies that he thought and how he'd read meditations by Marcus Aurelius in high school. And, you know, and I'm, yeah, I just read that a couple of years or so ago, you know? And uh, so for me to see that and that people just need an opportunity, they just need a platform. They just need someone else to be that spark sometimes. Cause I think, I think a lot more people think about this or want to think and talk about this than they have the opportunity to do so. I would agree. Yeah. Oh, I would agree a hundred percent. I think a lot of people do. And I think it's, uh, it's, I walk into my, uh, my gym here, my martial arts gym, Gracie Tampa South shout out to, uh, in Tampa. <laughs> and I, I'll sit down and I'll see people. I'll be like, Hey, how's your week going, man? How's everything going? And I don't like to dive in. And it's like, I don't think people, a lot of people want to dive in because there's so much noise going around that, you know, you, you don't want to, and even with free speech and all the things going on, you don't want to offend somebody or you don't know what they believe. And it's, it, I, I think there's a, uh, a very big restriction on speech. And that is a big part of it as well, that they're ever, people are scared to offend anybody about their religious beliefs or their, you know, whatever it, political beliefs or whatever it is. But when we really need to be having hardcore discourse, you know, even like this, we've been talking for two hours and 30 minutes, but it's like, man, I, I, this is what we need to be talking about. And, you know, this is what people need to be talking about our history and religious beliefs and political beliefs and where we're going in the future instead of talking about men in tights. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's and what's important to realize, I think, is that we're not having this discussion for one of us to come out on top. That's not what this is mm -hmm. about. And nor nor should any of your conversations out in the world be uh, when you're trying mm -hmm. to talk on this kind of level. Uh, the discussion itself, right? The 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 working through things in your mind, and and again that that uh, mutual experience of, of having that exchange with another soul, another individual. I mean, dude, that is, that is what's lacking. And I'm glad you touched on the whole freedom of speech thing. Cause that's, that's something I've been wanting to ask you about. Um, but this like fear of offending people, um, you know, especially with our generation, it's so hard, man, because I mean, you know, I'm 28, Steve, 27, 28, uh, 28. Chase, mm -hmm. Chase, where are you at? You're same age. I'm 26. 26. Okay, cool. So, so especially cats our age or younger, uh, they're being almost indoctrinated to think that political correctness means you stay in your lane and you don't offend anybody at all costs. And I mean, this is something that the homie JP talks about Jordan Peterson, plug, plug, you know, um, all the time about that how dangerous that really is because if you take away somebody's freedom to offend somebody you're really taking away somebody's freedom to think out loud and and that's something that's that's dangerous man so i'd like to hear like what what do you really see with the whole freedom of speech thing getting kind of you know a little gray in certain areas i think it's a huge problem i'd like you know i'd like to hear your two cents on it Oh, no, it's uh, it's absolutely one of the biggest problems I think our society and especially America faces because you I, and, you know, whatever your political beliefs are, I'm so disenchanted politically, whatever it is. I don't even like to talk about it because I don't think it matters. I'd rather talk biblically or historically. Mm -hmm. But I think 
we are facing, you know, there's definitely one side of the political spectrum that is wants to silence a free speech. And I think it's definitely on purpose. I think there's free speech is being squelched in this country to initiate certain socio-political economical agendas. And I think that's scary because as we've seen that throughout, you know, fascist and communist, uh, you know, dictatorships that have risen and fallen, that is the precursor to a little bit more, you know, reaching into people's lives. And you couple that with the technology that it gets really, really scary that if you say something or the next I think it might be policing, if you're if you're speaking hate speech or you're saying something that, you know, would offend somebody or you're texting or emailing something that that's where you get into a very, very dangerous area, because I would rather live with with absolute, you know, reckless freedom than peaceful tyranny. And that's that's my motto I go with, because I think I'd rather have political discourse and, you know, somebody be offended and go home and cry or get mad or be whatever it may be than to, you know, then we give up our rights in this country and in this world, because it's very scary. And I think we're going to come to a point in this country, especially where there's a great divide that there is a, you know, one side that wants this and one it's not political and it's not even economical. I think it's ideological of you know policing somebody's life and it gets to be very scary and i think you know i think you guys can probably tell where i stand on that you know i'll (laughs) Uh, oh yeah i'm the nicest person you'll ever meet i love people i love jesus and i love people that's you know what my kind of one of my mottos is and i'll have a discourse with anyone but you have to be ready to be offended you know and that's that's just life and i think we we're in a very soft age as well and that's the technology age it's it ushers in very softness and i think kids do get bullied and people's feelings do get hurt and i don't think that's right in every way but i think that's part of this technology that it needs to be freedom of speech and freedom of ideas so we can grow as a, as a society not cuz i think we're definitely going to get into that area where there's going to be policing of the highest order of even your thoughts, you know, it's, yeah. you almost can't think anything without offending someone. No, you, you can't, man. And I see, I think that's, what's the scariest thing for our generation is that like, you can only have freedom of speech if you're saying what I want you to say. And that's where yeah, my, that's my sure. problem, right? Is like, like, look, I have very conservative uh, beliefs on certain things. And what's crazy is I don't feel, um, uh, I don't feel great about sharing those in public spaces because I know what stigma is attached to them. And that's, that's a, that's a horrible thing to feel. Like I should feel, I should feel free to uh, share. Now, honestly, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. So I'll say it, but like, you know what I mean? I should feel the same type of um, security or um, uh, tolerance that other people who are very liberal in certain areas feel when they express their opinions and their ideas and it's like uh you you become you become persecuted or or um you know put painted in this bad picture if you have certain ideas about certain topics and it's like well that's not really freedom of speech man that's that's really you trying to tell me how to think and i'm sorry that i don't think that way but we could still be friends and a lot of the time the other side is like, nah, fuck that. You don't believe what I believe. We're enemies. And I think that's where this political polarization is really coming from, especially with our generation who we really don't, you know, you talk to the average 26, 23 to 28 year old, 
there's not a lot of uh, life experience there as it is. But, you know, you dive into the political realm and dude, just personally, I haven't really scratched the surface until like maybe the last eight to 12 months on really digging into like what freedom of speech really means. Like, what does it really encounter? Why was it so important for our founding fathers and why has it set us apart from all these different societies in the world you know what i mean and it's because it carries this um this ability to share ideas and to work through things uh but unfortunately it comes at the cost of offending and upsetting people because not everybody's going to agree and so like for our generation man i just think that it's like something that people need to wake up to and kind of and kind of ask themselves like uh, am i really being tolerant or am I being biasly tolerant? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're. It's definitely it's silencing someone to push a certain agenda. I think there's certain things that are okay to say in the public uh, realm, and then there's things that aren't. You know, if you come out, for example, and you wear, you know, uh, you know, a Hillary Clinton shirt. Not in obviously, if you're in West Virginia, you might get smacked with a two by four. But if you are in Los Angeles, for example, that's going to be okay. But if you wear a Trump shirt, for example, not saying whoever you believe in is okay in a very liberal area, such as you know, parts of Los Angeles or big cities like Tampa, you will be accosted. You know, I've worn you know, certain things that even just have American flags on them or certain things, and it's kind of gotten into almost a physical altercation. Yeah. And I think that's when it gets very, very scary. And Steve, I don't know, I'm in a big city in Tampa where it's, you know, you go in certain areas and it's very, most cities are very liberal, but, you know, in Utah, it's, it's a, it might be a little bit different, but it, I think it's definitely getting scary to where we talk about sheep being herded because, it's okay to talk about sports. It's okay to talk about music. It's okay to talk about, you know, what's going on in the world or oh, what's going on maybe a little bit politically or militarily, just certain things that, you know, don't cross that political spectrum. And I think that's what the powers that be want us to talk about mm -hmm. and not talk about the real issues while our agenda is being worked behind the scenes. And that's why I think we really are in a period where we got to wake up or, we're going into some really scary times, not only with technology, but it's the speech, because if you can't talk about it, how are you going to institute any change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I would encourage people and this, you know, you could have your own thoughts about this and I hope you do, but, um, identifying as a Republican or a Democrat just seems so not of any substance for me anymore. And I think that's part of the problem is that like yeah. we've, um, we've painted these pictures of what a conservative republic is republican is and what a, a liberal democrat is and if you don't meet the mold then you're lost and so you should just fall into place and i think that's man that's crazy and so if you're a younger cat listening to this and you don't know you know if you think like oh man i, I have some conservative views but but I'm also liberal and that's okay. That's good. That's supposed to be that way. You know what I mean? You're not supposed to say, you know, paint your house red and fucking scream, you know, Trump's name in the street. It's like, you know what I mean? I think, I think there's been, there's been that, um, stigma of, uh, our side of the street always wins or our, our team or nothing kind of thing. And that's not how it has to be because again, I'm conservative in a lot of my views, but I do not, 
at all agree with a hundred percent of Republican ideals, right? And so I think I think there's this idea of uh, it, it that ideology stuff, that political ideology, identity politics, it definitely exists on both sides of the spectrum. And I think what I'd like to call for, man, is is you know people on the right, you throw out your trash. People on the left, you throw out your trash. And let's let's get the competent people in the in the middle, the people who are reasonable enough and are seeking truth and are seeking to better um, our society uh, for our people. Let's get those guys in the middle. Right. And let's start let's start hashing things out. But we got to throw out our trash. And so, like, I'm as I'm as quick to go go crazy on a, um, you know, super right wing radical conservative as I am a super left wing liberal uh who's just talking nonsense man both sides of the spectrum do it you know what I mean and so again dude I think it's just idea of like let's take out the trash on either side let's get the competent people in the middle and let's have a conversation I think that's what we're doing here now obviously we all you know people are gonna say oh you motherfuckers sound like you agree on the same things but um but you know we're mm. gonna we're gonna have people on that uh, I want to be on the uh, what people would assume is the other side of the spectrum because um, I believe there's value in that and like you mm-hmm. said I've heard you say so many times like you'll have a discourse with anybody and a lot mm-hmm. of people won't and that's part of the problem is that unless you're flying my flag I'm not gonna talk to you like that's that's toxic right there. Like, oh, it's absolutely. I think there's one king and I think a lot of people like to dub and we are in a two party system that is very, very it's scary what we're in this two party system because I identify as a libertarian now because I'm not a Republican. I do support President Trump and I do like that, you know, for the basic reason that he is letting me keep more of my freedoms than the other side would. And that's literally it. You know, I, I have my other belief, but that's what I vote on. And we're in this two party system where you have to vote Republican or Democrat. And then if you vote one way or the other, it divides the country. And I think that's where we're at. We're in a total 100 percent complete divide. Yeah. And it, and I think we are literally setting up. And I, I don't think now, but there, I mean, literally uh, almost a civil war of some things. It's getting, I can't even imagine what this next election is going to be like. I'm kind of scared for it, honestly. It, it's going to be wild. That, that is connect, it, that's connected to the economy and the, and the stock market. And, you know, even if President Trump or the president of China, whoever it is, if they say something or there's political tensions, that's making people lose money in the stock market. Or that's making, you know, economic, uh, you know, people wanting to invest or whatever consumer confidence that goes up and down. And that's scary when our political system is connected even to our economy like that, mm. you know, and it's and that's when you really get into dangerous times. Yeah, you see. And, and I mean, going off of that, like I think I think people like Trump, they uh, it was the lesser of the two evils is what I think. And but I, I think there's just this real lack for nobility in those offices. And mm, yeah. you know what I mean? Like men of noble character uh, yep. is really is really what I would like to see. And, and the fact that that's so hard to imagine happening is is sad because mm-hmm. there's just so much so much pollution uh, in that political game. 
and uh you know call me crazy but i think this podcast is a step towards that direction um especially for our generation obviously it'll take some time for us to mend things up but um uh, man i i just think this is how you get there is is through discourse and conversation you know so yeah amen hey i i believe it guys i think we and I don't know where we're at. We are, once again, we're all young in our mid-20s, and we don't have as much life experience. But to see that some of this stuff isn't right and that there's a little bit of unsettling in the world, that to think this next election dictates what's going to happen globally and it means that much is very scary. Because, I mean, everybody – we can go about our daily lives, but whether we like it or not, our elections in the United States is a major global player – it's going to affect, you know, our kids' future, and it's going to. There's, there's a lot of things. Our kids, imagine in 20 years, what free speech will look like. Yeah, yeah, it could be completely different. So let me ask you this, Chase, because you know you you used to be big into politics, and now taking a step back, um, and and it is such a big thing, like you said, it's it has global impact. Uh, so what what should a person, or what do you do personally? Maybe you have advice for people on how involved you should be politically because it's hard to know how much you spend time thinking about it because most of it's smoke and mirrors and you know a bunch of crap so with there being so much weight and impact on these decisions how involved should a person be oh great question steve because i've almost i've almost you know alienated myself from the political scene um you know i it's because it's gotten so crazy and because it's it's gotten to be so much white noise. You know, it's almost like a social media. And when you watch these Fox News and, you know, CNN or MSNBC, it's it's so slanted one way or the other that you almost feel like you're being indoctrinated. And that can turn people off just like religion can. So I think. You know, once again, there is one king, and that is Jesus, and that's how I personally live my life. And so I look at it and I say, hmm, how do I – I want to be able to live a Christian life and not have my rights violated, and I want my kids to be able to grow up and choose that and live this Christian pure life. So I think you you have to be politically involved if you care about not only your country but your religion or your speech. Because if you're not, it can get taken. You know, if there is just abstinence from, you know, the political discourse and how involved you get, then, you know, at the very least, you need to be educated. You need to know basic economics. You need to know basic health care. You need to know basic, you know, fundamental things that we that our political system promotes, because if you don't, then you are truly a part of the problem because you are we are an ignorant sheeple instead of a, a, an intelligent you know, population in America. So I think you have to be knowledgeable, whether that's self-study or, you know, alternative media or, you know, study of history and then apply it to today. You ha- And I think you have to vote, whether you like it or not. We have you do not stand away and do not vote because then, you know, we're giving away a great, you know, right that we have that a lot of countries don't. And, you know, whether it's right or wrong, this is where we're at. So I think, you know, this next election is pivotal in american history so i think very involved in this next election if you care at all about us or your kids future or america's future because it's looking very bleak as we head into it dude what if you're a fucktard do you still vote 
like so here's here's the thing no look at look at look this is why i ask yeah. and i'm sorry for being so blunt but like you're talking about being educated man and uh, there's been previous elections where i haven't voted because i'm like man you know what i really don't know shit about shit i don't yeah. and so like for me to, to to walk in there and cast a vote i thought was kind of irresponsible of me um and you know some people might say that you know that's un-american or, or, or whatever and might feel strongly about that but I really think that's irresponsible of somebody for of to walking into a a voting booth and casting a vote without knowing shit about anything. And um yeah. Steve, you're so much better at this, bro, but the um the video that you sent me earlier this week about uh what was it Socrates uh talking about uh the candy shop owner versus the uh the doctor? Yeah, yeah, so that's because he had a thing against democracy, and that was what it was, right? Um, to start off with Winston Churchill's quote is, the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter. And, <laughs> and so that's, that's the exact reason, right? And, and kind of like you were saying, Chase, where people would take, you know, they have those intentions to control people and take away their rights. Um, those conversations were made in what JR brought up as the the doctor versus the candy shop owner. Cause the candy shop owner's like, look, I just, I give you what you want. I make you happy. I, um, give you pleasure. I let you do what you want. Whereas the doctor, he inflicts pain on you. He does things that, that you don't want to have happen and he makes your life miserable and, and, um, or he restricts to, your life in certain situations. Yeah, you know? exa yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that you, you start to have that skewed vision and, mm -hmm. You just want the candy shop owner or the the example that I resonated strongly with was when he said, if you had a ship and you were trying to sail across an ocean or something, uh, would you get just a bunch of random people to lead, you know, and, and control the ship? Or would you want someone who was skilled in in that uh, they had the skill set to direct that ship? Like, who would you want to to lead you across the ocean? And it's an yeah. obvious question, right? Uh, or obvious answer. And so that is the problem with just having anybody vote. And I think we see a lot of that. So as you said, it's imperative to vote, but first and foremost, to educate yourself on, on who to vote for and why. And sadly, guys, I don't think many people, and I hate to have a doom and gloom attitude. I just think it's a realist attitude that I think whether we like it or not, there's a lot more at play than just the American voter. And I think there's the, how big our government is, is scary. And how much, you know, living in Los Angeles, I'm sure you see, and even you, Steve, living in Utah and the, the, the growth that the Utah Valley has experienced and me living in Tampa, the amount of bureaucracy that you have to go through to get a permit to, you know, wipe your ass almost is <laughs> is bizarre. So we are in such a massive government that I think people have to be educated, but I don't think people want to be educated. I think right. they know that we have we have the government is almost it's like a, a, a job sector now. You know, even me, I'm going to be a fireman. It's part of the government technically, but there's so many government jobs and it's so overreaching in every single part of our life that I don't think people care as much because as long as they have their social media and as long as they have their Wi-Fi, they're okay. You know, they can just chill and drink a soda and relax and watch the football game. You know, life goes on and that's all that people want until we're herded into, you know, a, a concentration camp. So mm. 
I think I don't want people to vote that are not knowledgeable. Absolutely. Refrain from voting. Stay out of the fight. But any knowledge <laughs> that you can and, and one other thing I'll stress is please get away from mainstream media. Even Fox News. I'm conservative, but my you know, my folks watch Fox News sometimes and I'm like, man, these are just talking heads. Yeah. They can confuse anybody, you know? Go and do some research for yourself. Go and, and trust, check out. We're in an age of deception. So go and look at what you're looking at. Research it. Cross-reference with actually reading a book, and then maybe you'll have a little bit of inkling. you know. And I think definitely people care a little bit more about social issues too much uh, than economic and, and, and certain things. Because when your economy is good, I think that's a good baseline. Then everybody can take care of their family. Everybody can provide basic necessities. And if you if you vote based off of economic standpoints, I think it's very clear that you would vote on a more conservative side because it lets you keep more of your money and it's a smaller government. So, you know, I, I just hope maybe take one facet of the political system and study that and make your vote off what you know you care about most. Because it's it's you know we're in this system you got to vote and whether we like it or not that's we have our candidates it's going to be a two party system and you know one's going to be Donald Trump the other one's going to be a whacked out liberal so it's you know you're going to go <laughs> you, you got to make a choice it's actually yeah. pretty easy to vote for people these days you got I mean it's two choices you know yeah you know and I think so, I, I like that man start small right like pick something that's really meaningful yep. to you and research exactly. it and do and do your due diligence and then come. Yep come at least with that backing your vote. You know, I, I like that. I really do. Because I, I took a very, uh, <laughs> I took a very cynical approach and I was just like, no, stay out of no, there. Exactly. No, but I like well, that, man. And real quick too, to speak on like the Fox news, cause my family loves that too. Um, the problem I have with it, like you're saying, those talking heads is when I have watched it, I've seen that it's really just to incite some kind of emotion in you. And it, it does, it gets you feeling one-sided. It, it points out the thing. It, it's just supposed to arouse bitterness and contentment and things like that. And that's what drives numbers and that's what sells and that's what gets their profit up. But it never allows you to reason through things yourself. Whereas if you're, if you listen to a conversational style podcast with differing opinions, um, they don't have to be uh, opposing, but they can differ or if you read an article or history or um, anything like that, it allows you the moment to think and pause for yourself and come to your own conclusion. And I think that's the problem with all the mainstream media is it never allows you the chance to construct your own opinion. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I no, would there's agree. always an angle. Yeah, dude. And and so this is dude, this is why we we're doing good company too is long format journalism is really what I think kind of started me down this road of um you know, this is where you get the most um exposure of somebody's ideas. Um because really how much can you get in a 10-minute, 5-minute, 3-minute segment of somebody, right? And uh, something that I'd like to see is our political candidates do more long form uh, with people who are asking really good questions and people who aren't interested or vested in one, one political party or the other. Um, they don't want to get them cheeks exposed. They, didn't, they don't want to get them cheeks <laughs> exposed. That's what it is, man. And, and I'm, dude, I'm sorry, but shit, if you're going to be at the head of our government, your cheeks need to be exposed, man. Dude. 
there's this uh, story that Jordan Peterson talks about. I think it's the Mesopotamian king that it was a ritual that every year they would take him out to the perimeter of the city, strip him of his garments, um, and he would be made aware of the things that he failed to do well or his shortcomings. And it was basically this like uh, humbling experience before he would enter his next year or next reign as king. And dude, there's something there, man. And, and obviously, uh, yeah. I'm not saying we do that to, to our president shit. It wouldn't be bad. But um, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? There's something there. There's that idea of being humble, uh, being humbled or, or, or the humility behind being exposed in that way to the people that you serve. I mean, shit, that's not a bad idea if you ask me, man. You know what I mean? Yo, no, it's, I think, honestly, it should be. I think it's totally become, you know, you look at lobbying and the amount of special interest groups, and it gets so confusing that I can see why a voter would want to get disenchanted, you know, and oh, why yeah. there is no accountability. There is, there's so many laws and executive powers and, and, and so many, much power that these political offices have, even a mayor or a governor. It's so ridiculous how much power that they have, and they're not truly there to serve us. Mm. You know, that's what it is. You're supposed to be a civil servant. It's a serving job, but it's become almost um, uh, uh, you're you're an actor or an actress. You're you're a part of the media. You are a celebrity icon. They're mm. almost a deity in some sense. Even people they worship Trump or worship Obama or worship. George Bush or worship these people as if they're, you know, demigods or something. And I think it should be the opposite way around. I think it should almost be, you know, they should not be in the public limelight almost. They should be so hidden that their job is to serve us and find better ways to serve us because it's almost been the opposite. Yeah. And I think if you look and if you look throughout time and throughout history, even Rome is a great example that, you know, look at how big Rome got and how much taxes that they were levying on their people and how their borders were being overran and their territories being expanded. And I think there's a lot of correlations to that with the United States. You know, I think we're such a young country and we feel invincible and we're the biggest, greatest superpower to ever walk this earth, the most powerful country and the most wealthy country. But I think, you know, if you look at history and you look what's coming, we're headed for a very slippery slope with, you know, what everything that's going on. And so I don't know. I, I'm not sure if radical change is the answer or, you know, bringing them out into the District of Columbia and stripping them down naked <laughs> and, hey, here's what you did well, here's what you didn't do well. But I, I truly think we, uh, we've, we've got a lot to work on. But the, the main thing, I think we still need – to be engaged politically because I at times I get you know so disenchanted that I don't listen to anything or I don't have yeah. you know I don't even turn the TV or, well I don't have a TV actually so that's a lie but I don't <laughs> you know I don't even look at anything and that's not the answer either you know I think we uh it's truly a big gray area for all of us. And, and we all have unique perspectives on kind of where we're living at as well. Right. And I think I'm a true believer in that change starts with the individual. And, and so I think every, yep. you know, everybody has their part to play. And, and if, yep. you know, when I was younger and I used to hear like, Oh, every vote matters. And then you hear about the electoral college and you're like, wait, but does it really, you know what I mean? So, um, but th things like, 
things like uh, changing uh, starts with the individual. I think I've I've pondered on that so much, and um, it just seems to be right to me, man. Because, uh, like you said, if you're able to educate yourself and stay in this political realm and have a unique and true opinion of what you truly think, and you're not just popping off what you heard and what you think you should think, then then you're adding value. Um, and I think that's something that's really real, man. So, so. Amen. 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 Well, you want to, you want to know what I think is weird too. Going back to you're talking about the, the deification of the politicians. We, we have all this technology now to where, you know, before, like you had a representative because they were able, educated people who were successful. And, and then the people would say, Hey, we want to elect you to go represent us and make big decisions like you're the you're the captain of the ship and we know you're capable and we're going to take you out of your whatever um business or industry you're working on and we want you to go serve and it was kind of like a burden right and and they did that because they couldn't really have access to all the people newspapers stuff like that now we have social media we have streaming we have all these things and I've been waiting for a politician to say, hey, look, for my district or for my people or my region or whatever, here's all the things that are, are going on and we're debating. And this is what the the pros and cons are both. And like, what do you guys think? I, I think you could have so much interaction as a politician with your voters and the people who elected you now that, I mean, we could radically change it if someone would take the well if someone was capable enough to do it i guess first Dude, of all they just need to hop on good company that's what they need to do <laughs> they need to hop on good company and get grilled <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have chase here so be careful you better come correct yeah no yeah you better come right because I'll, I'll go old testament i'll study the, I'll, I'll get them scripturally Oh, oh man no I, I think that's great and i think there's so much more interaction that should be happening and i think it's all a big game too i think we uh you look politically and you can get so lost in it just like you can get so and i think it's better to get lost in good things and things that last you know the the, the fullness of time or the fullness of your lifespan that that things that don't pollute your mind and are toxic and i think politics can definitely get that way and, um, you know, I, I, once again, JR, I think you made a great point about it. It starts with the individual. Cause I think we need, people need to have a change of heart. You know, even I do, I think I've had a big change of heart because Steve knew me. I used to be very involved politically and very like, I'd get really fired up and get in big arguments with people. And now I don't care as much. I'm looking at long-term things that actually matter and things that are the, the real things. Cause I don't, I think politics is a big fugazi, you know, it's a lot mm. of smoke and mirrors and there's, you know, your vote does matter, but you know, there's so much that goes into it that, you know, and it's so corrupt and there's, and once again, I haven't even gotten into the crazy conspiracies that I believe in that many people believe that about governments and world governments and many of them have validity. And, and if that's the case, then it's, it's a scary system we're in. So I think people need to just go outside, breathe some fresh air, you know, read some, read some scripture, whatever you want to do something for your neighbor, go hunt an animal, go fish, go do some martial arts, something that's going to add value to your life or somebody else's. And I don't know, we, maybe we could start there, but could do some yoga because it's, it's gotten to the point where I'm scared and, you know, we're coming up on it in what November or whatever it is that this, yeah. 
we're going to start primaries and then we've got, you know, a, a countdown until the next election. And I think uh, it, it's a, it's a very scary time. Shit. I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. Chase, I think you're uh, officially our three, our first three hour podcast right now, bro. <laughs> and I love man. it. I love it, man. I fucking couldn't be more excited for it, dude. So, hey, th- thank you guys. I appreciate for having me on. Listen to me uh, to babble about certain things. That there's a little pun there for the listeners. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's. Uh, I think it's it, it's good. Hey, and this is awesome. I think it's cool because I'm I'm totally a, a hermit nowadays, and I don't really. T- and when Steve told me about this, I think it's great what you guys are doing, and just. You know, for even small, you know, your guys' group and friends and families and to start getting people to think about things, you know, and yeah. so we start researching and then have these conversations that don't have to be, you know, Joe Rogan's a perfect example, man. Look at him. He's, I don't agree with probably 80% of the things that Joe Rogan thinks, probably even 75%, but he's awesome because he'll talk to anybody. He'll have anybody on and it starts a discussion, you know, yeah. and I think that's the biggest thing. We got to start having more discussions and less scrolling. Yeah, we're going to have Joe on here soon, too, so I'll keep you posted on that one, dude. <laughs> Don't let me get a hold of Joe. <laughs> Don't let me get a hold of Joe. <laughs> Bring Joe's ass on it. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Hey, man, well, thank you so much. Uh, well, I'm definitely going to have to get those coordinates from you uh, for the hunting compound, bro, uh, once we get off the, off the air here. But um, thank you so much, man, for coming on. I had a blast. And uh, I'll definitely be hitting you up if you don't mind. Oh, for sure. Let's get a little group chat going. And I'll and listen. I'll give you the coordinates. It's not a secret. We'll <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get them out to you, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I got to get my hunting skills uh, honed in, man. You never know what's gonna pop off out here. So yeah, no, you, oh man, yeah. Remember, fifteen round clip, man. You better, <laughs> you better, you better get some old turn. You better get right with the bow and arrow. <laughs> I will, man. I will. Hey, Chase, thank you again, man, for just being on and uh, giving us your time today, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, guys. God, God bless. God bless. God bless, brother. Take care. Our video's back on, man. Let me see how I get this video. I'll take my shirt off. Oh, shit. He got <laughs> hot. <laughs> hey, look. I got my... Look. I mean, I'm like... I'm here. I'm ready to rock and roll, man. You got hot. Look, it's a, look, it's a battleground. We got no... Oh, we got... Shit. I mean, it's getting crazy here. You know what's crazy? I didn't even mean to cut you off, man. I just wanted to tell you that we were three hours on, and then you rolled with it, and I was like, oh, maybe, you know... I, I wanted to be conscious of your time, too, so please, I hope you don't think I was trying to push oh. you off the air or anything, dude. No, no. I don't care. I was thinking you guys probably were tired of... We were tired of talking. That was a long one. That was good. I could, I could keep rolling. It's oh, all good. Dude, you know, I mean, Steve and I could fucking... Yeah, we... we I, I love it, man. I love it. I'm, I'm And I'm glad I had the opportunity to talk to you because... We're fuck. This is what we're about, honestly. This is, I have the most uh, fun when we do this shit, and it's just because I think we're doing something meaningful, and I think we're doing something that's important, man. So, 
uh, yeah, sure. I, I definitely want to get you back on and talk about some conspiracy theories. Though, dude. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. Well, and it'll get, you know, it's, it, Steve knows it, it'll get into some crazy weird stuff, but honestly, <laughs> I'll come prepared for that. And give me like a week and I'll come in here with some straight, with some knowledge on that stuff. Because, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can get going. No, Hey, I had a blast. Thanks for having me on. I've never done anything like this or anything. So it's, uh, it's fun. I think this is awesome, man. This is cool. How many of you guys done? We got four in the books. We've, inter- we've interviewed, you're the fifth interview and then we've done one or whatever where it's just us talking right yeah. we've had a lot of a lot of like ones where we were talking we scrapped yeah 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 <laughs> you know and i think dude this was this was awesome because this is i think steve you can agree uh from my perspective this is what i've been yearning for dude is just like great dialogue like this and honestly bro i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you i think i think what i noticed is that not a lot of not a lot of motherfuckers could reciprocate my energy and and yeah. you, you're on another level, so I was vibing with you, bro. I was definitely vibing <laughs> with you. So no, you've got you've got great energy. I know Steve-O's energy is always on point. I've known Steve for a while, but yeah, oh, I can yeah. vibe with you too. It's, uh, it's a great conversation, man. It's yeah. uh yeah, no, I, I think. And you know what? You caught me on a tamed evening. I'm a little relaxed. I'm battling <laughs> ringworm right now because oh, I got it from these dirty ass jujitsu mats. So if I would have came, you know, hardcore from jujitsu, I would have been on another level. And oh, let me just show you something. Hey, show this me. is what I'm talking about. Hey, look, yeah. Book of Enoch. Okay. Look at, hey, I'm serious. This, even Steve, this has rocked me. And that's why I think I've gone a little bit overboard is this. This will rock you to the core, gang. Yeah. Off air. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's seriously crazy. We, can, we got, you guys' energy is great. This is, that's a, that's an awesome thing to do just to, just to talk. Cause honestly, who are us three? We're just three guys, 26, 27, 28 years old, talking about stuff that matters. Cause we're in kind of a weird time in the world where, you know, it's it's a little weird. So I think anybody who could listen, man, you know, I'm gonna send this to my parents if I could get. I don't know how you process this. If you send it to me on a zip file or whatever, I don't know. But you could send me this. I want to send this to them because I think my mom needs to hear some of this oh, stuff. Wake oh. her up. <laughs> we'll get you, man. We'll get you something for sure. We'll call this the Red Pill episode, man. Yeah, dude. Hey, but you, <laughs> you know, we'll have your own special every time you come on. We'll call it Red Pill One, Two, Three. <laughs> Red pill with Chase, dude. The Matrix. Oh shit! Hey, I, hey, I read. Hey, listen, I red pilled a homeless guy coming off the little island that I lived <laughs> on, and I'm not kidding. I rebuked his spirit. I told him, I said, "You have a demon spirit living in you. Let it come out. God loves you, and He wants you." So you guys did catch me on kind of an on one night, but yeah, uh, no, I fucking love it, that. dude. I fucking. <laughs>